good people, what's going on? We got another episode of Sauce Talk. It's Tuesday morning. Monday Night Football is in the books. Week 12 is in the books. College got week 13 done. Michigan, Ohio State had their big game. You know, all that good stuff that went down closer and closer. As it gets colder and colder, we're getting to that postseason time. College football, NFL football. And we got the World Cup going on. That is a weird thing at this time. But also, we have another guest, and a guest, a returning guest that is one of my favorite guests, and that is John Overstreet. What's going on, John? Uh, nothing this good morning. Like you said, I'm just ready to talk some football. It was a good weekend. Oh, yeah, man. It was a darn good weekend. Um, I think I think the one thing that a lot of people take away from this weekend is that Michigan toppled Ohio State back-to-back years. A lot of talk about, you know, Jim Harbaugh and his run at Michigan. Um, people was talking about can he get the team together to beat Ohio State. Now he's done it two years in a row. Um, I'm not going to go uh, full on, you know, saying uh, uh, or a, you know, Jim Harbaugh pedestal rising here. I'm not trying to throw this man up on a pedestal, but to beat Ohio State back to back years and this type of team Ohio State had. To be to be in a playoff contention, you know, fourteen playoff, and now Michigan sitting at that number one spot. John, what is your overall take of that game that's happened that that started at noon on Saturday? Uh, first and foremost, man, people are crushed here. Like, there's people that they want Ryan Day fired. Um, saw people in public. Uh, we we had people in the parking lot. Uh, playing the Michigan fight song. There are some Michigan fans in the area of Ohio that I'm in, but yeah, there's people that, you know, they want to throw the whole season away. They understand they still have the playoffs and there's a shot there, but yeah, it's a, it's a gut punch after beating Michigan so much, so consistently to lose at home this year, I think really took the wind out of a lot of the fan base's sales. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at the type of game against Maryland, you know, the Maryland game could have some people, you know, like, Oh man, what is this? What is this going on here? Because the one thing I looked at Ohio State was that their amazing record of scoring thirty points and being undefeated. And you know, after that point of at that point of scoring over thirty, they have became a pretty unstoppable team. And now Michigan is able to handle that situation. They're like, we're just going, we're going to run the football, and we're going to own you. And you know, since some other things may open up. In that, in that, um, in that offense, what is your, what is your, what is your thing about Jim Harbaugh? Did you think that did, did he keep things consistent, or did he have to change up things to find his success? Because it's kind of like the regular season success more than just beating Ohio State. It seemed like in the past two seasons, Jim Harbaugh has figured out some things against other teams too. Uh, I'm glad you said it. I, I feel like it's something he's built towards. Someone asked me before the game how I felt about him as a coach, and I said he's not his brother, but he is a good, not great coach. He can get you to the doorstep, but he hasn't crossed the threshold yet. So that that victory Saturday, that's him getting closer to crossing the threshold. He hasn't won the Super Bowls. He hasn't won the, the conference or the league championships. He hasn't won a national championship. So – He's starting to get those signature wins where it feels like Michigan as a as a program is getting closer to crossing the threshold of winning their conference, of competing in the playoffs and, and possibly winning a national championship. So 
Um, he was a good coach with the 49ers. I never felt like he was great because, like I said, they just all the talent they had, they just didn't pull it off against his brother. But he's he's building and he's becoming a great coach in front of our eyes, I feel like. And we'll and we'll see if that continues too, because you know they got they'll have to win their conference, they'll have to keep going a little bit, but yeah, I, I think he's built that program and and turned it around. And the flip side of that is Ryan Day has to figure this out because he's struggling. I mean, he's beating like you said, he's in some of these close games against teams they should have been putting away, and so some of their wins feel like, man, we really aren't as good as what our record says we are. that succeeded and succeeded even though if he might have a you know baggage if you will you know negative press whatever you want to call it urban meyer seems to get that done but ryan day the lineage of that who spent time in the nfl am i correct so i mean like this person is like looking at it like damn like here, I, I'm riding the success of Ohio State. If I keep them in national power, I think I'm good. But no, that is not the case. You can keep them in national power, but you have to do the certain things to stay there, keep people happy, to want you to still be there. Because whenever it hit Sunday, Monday, Twitter, Facebook feeds, Urban Meyer were, was, was the name. you know, And that's something that you don't want if you're Ryan Day especially with kids in a locker room with a transfer portal, making NIL deals. There's some kids that might feel like, oh, I'm waiting till they get Urban back. Uh, wait till they get Urban back. Yeah, that, that, that's the thought for a lot of people. I'll say this about Urban Meyer. He's a, he's a classic example of that Batman quote. You, you live Sometimes you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And yep. Urban won everywhere he's been. He won at Utah. He won at Bowling Green. He won at Ohio State. He won at Florida. But – you know, he just went out the the way of a Bobby Knight. He went out the way of a Woody Hayes. Uh, it just wasn't college. You know, the pros kind of exposed who he is and, and what his true character is. But the results are there. He's a great coach. I think the NFL level exposed some of his tactics. And that doesn't work, especially with professionals. Lou Holtz had that problem going to the Jets. He wasn't a good pro coach. Right. So, so some people only work out at the level that they're at. But yeah, Ryan Day just has to figure it out. Um, I think Urban Meyer was able to push the right buttons, keep his team motivated. Uh, all the talent is there. I mean, if we're talking about Ohio State, this is almost wide receiver university now. Yes. You know, Marvin, Marvin Harrison's son is looking like a, a top 10 pick. Um, they've got Jackson and Jigma. He's going to be a first round, probably second round pick. Yeah. So the talent is there. They just have to put it together in, in this crucial rivalry game that they keep missing on. What do you think is the – what do you think other than – because, you know, they've had the, the running backs too with Master T. They've had Davion Henderson. They've had these these players. Like, what is the one thing that you see that they're missing? Like, what is something that they're missing, like, on the field? Not coaching or something like that. A team that seems like they get pretty much everything. But what is something that you feel like they're weak at? Um – Here's the thing, like, I mean, I I watch Coach 30, and I know he's kind of a spoof. You know, he makes fun of some of these plays. And uh seen another guy break down a play. They tried to run a, a fake on a uh, 
on a punt and it was there. They just didn't execute it. Mm-hmm. I really do think they have the talent on the field. The play calling is there. I think it's execution. I think it's mindset. So I don't know if you bring someone on board who that person is, but if you watch Ohio state at times, especially in these close games that they shouldn't be in, especially when you've got a lead against Michigan state in, or I'm sorry, against Michigan in the first half and you let it go away, they got to bring in someone to get that dog back in them. And it feels like they haven't had like that chip on their shoulder, that dog in them. That's, that's what they need. The talent is there. The play calling is there. They just got to execute. Mm-hmm. And that is true. I mean, that to where a team that could be that buttoned up as far as recruiting wise, you could put people in positions where it's like, hey, man, they're going to be a first, second round, you know what I'm saying, coming their junior, senior year, uh, especially with these guys as being redshirt freshmen that are leaving their redshirt sophomore year after their redshirt sophomore year. And with them not really need, you know, saying like they like, oh man, they need to get better corners. They need to get. If it just comes down to just certain coaching and trying to get things to execute, then man, that, like I said, that it, it goes bad for Ryan Day because he's having that type of media, like, uh, buddy. Let me let me tell you this: whenever the media talks today, things starts happening real quick, and that's on the pro side and the college side. I mean, you know that as far as like when we talk when we talk sports it's off the off the cuff, it's just like when we sit there and say, Oh snap, we had the situation with um with the Texans, or we have a situation with uh even college teams like Texas. Like it don't matter between college or pros if the media, if the fan base, if people sitting there saying, like, oh man, we gotta get rid of this, we get there's no more two, three years of that. Now, if you're if you're a smaller type program like West Virginia, you might get two to three years of like, oh, Neil Brown's got to go, but Neil Brown just got there. That could be somewhat of defense. But with some of these bigger colleges, your shelf life is on your first year success, not so much your second, your third, or your fourth. And that's happening in college more to where Ryan Day got a pass because he got past the team that was already ready to rock and roll. So now we're starting to see what Ryan Day can do to this team is starting to become more his, and he's starting to hit that danger zone because I saw a picture, which I know is far-fetched from happening, but they showed Deion Sanders in Ohio State, you know what I'm saying, coaching garb, you know what I'm saying, how they do to Photoshop these photos, and they had uh, uh, Deion Sanders in Ohio State uh, uh, clothing. What do you think about uh, Deion Sanders looking for jobs like Colorado? The real jobs offers is coming at him, but people want him to go to bigger schools like Ohio State or Florida State or something like that. But pending the whole bull crap of him, you know, it was something that was in the paper about Deion Sanders not having the right documentation or him doing something, uh, not passing a certain uh, junior. Uh, it was some, some technicality of him not being able to coach a power, you know, a Division One school. What is your thoughts on that? Well, first I'll say you hit the nail on the head, and I'll say look no further than Zach Wilson because there's a there's a young quarterback that said the wrong things in the media after a loss, and there was no hesitation from the Jets. They turned it over to another young quarterback. Yep, who, who didn't make those. You know, the team rallied behind him. He didn't make those excuses of, oh, I don't think we did enough on this side of the ball or that. So he, you know, that finger pointing got Zach Wilson right on the bench real fast. So mm-hmm. I think in the past you're right people were a little bit more uh, cautionary and they gave people a little bit more time. But I think these decisions are financial too. So if Neil Brown 
didn't have the contract that he had, I think he would already be out at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with Dion, I'll say this. I think Dion is one of the most self-aware people I've ever seen. He knows exactly where he belongs. He knows exactly where Jackson State should and shouldn't be. I mean, you saw what people said. When are you guys going to be playing Alabama? When are you going to play some of these bigger SEC schools? And he said, no, we're not putting kids out there to get hurt. They got road graders that are 340. You know, we got linemen that are approaching 300 pounds. They're not ready to go against those big guys. Like, I'm not going to put kids out there to be sacrificial lambs. Right. Just because of my name. Right. Just because of my name. Why do that? Yeah, so De- Deion's smart. He's not going to put his team in a position to lose. He's not going to put himself in a bad position. Um, and I think he's smart enough to know that he's going to write his his own ticket with success. So um, he could join the SEC, but I think he'll do it very intelligently. I don't think he would ever go to a to an Ohio State. I think he'll, you know, Deion, he's going to stay where it's nice and sunny, where they got some good weather all the time. So Prime ain't going where you got to bundle up and hide them chains under under a goose down. So sorry, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, he he's not going to Colorado now. When Florida State opens up, um, you know maybe one of these Florida schools, Florida, Miami. Um, I could see him staying in the SEC. Auburn, uh, Bama's Bama. They're going to have Nick Saban, but Dion could stay in one of those situations. I, I think A and M maybe, but. Yeah, he's going to stay in the South. Um, he's going to stay where he knows the recruiting. He's going to stay where, you know, his family's close to him. He's going to he's going to make that decision on his own time. Like I said, he's very self-aware. He's not going to put himself in a Colorado, in an Ohio State, in a bad situation, burn out and never have a chance again because you know how it is. We talk about it all the time, how they do black coaches, especially at the pro level he's not going to overextend himself into a bad situation. I think his track record, I think his interviews show that he's going to have fun wherever he goes. He's going to coach a group of kids that he can relate to. He's going to develop talent, you know, wherever he goes, but he might stay at Jackson state a few more years. Um, I can see him staying through his, his son's duration of college, but, yeah, I think he'll he'll make a wise decision on where to go. And like I said, if it's – I'm sure Florida State is dying to have him, you know, especially that being his alma mater. He's a good coach. He knows how to coach today's talent. He is connected to the youth. Um, so I don't think he would put himself in a, in a bad location ge- geographically or he would put himself in a bad position where there's, there's no talent, he's got trouble recruiting – He's going to stay right in that pocket, Florida, Alabama, uh, you know, Texas. He's going to stay right down there in the Gulf. He's going to be right in his wheelhouse. He'll be a great coach going forward. I, I do think so, too. I think whenever he does make that decision to go to D1, it's going to be, like you said, calculated, smart. You said all the yeah, right he's things. He's not going there. to Kentucky or Vanderbilt. He's you're right. Going- it's just like, yeah. Yeah, he's, you're right. I think if he wanted to go to a place that where he wanted to change the culture or, like, build a, a program up, yeah, he, right. can build a, be... he can build a UCF or he can right. build a, You're right. uh, a Troy or one yeah. of these smaller Division One schools. Absolutely, right. yeah, he can yeah. do that as well. But like you said, if you're going to go to SEC, you're not shooting for no Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Yeah, he's not hurting for – he's not, you know, oh, I got to get this SEC job. He's not hurting for that. That right. offer is going to come. Right. I agree with that. Now, that, that. That right there I do agree with. And um, I think that kind of goes with – like with Jeff Saturday, you know, being that high school coach, 
being asked to come on to be a you know interim head coach of an NFL team, it's a shocking. You, you get that kind of shocking feel, but it's less shocking because it's like you know Dion went from high school to Jackson State to where people they, they're not you know what I'm saying like like I'm me bringing up the whole fact that they're giving them hell um, for for D one coaching jobs when you have people you know saying his name you know uh, where you say nominate you know what I'm saying nominating his name. Uh, for these jobs, but when you have a situation where you get nominated, you know, Jeff Saturday got nominated. You know, when you have other people, people sitting there saying Reggie Wayne, I remember you pointed that out to me before we hit record. We'll give you a moment to talk about that. But, you know, Jeff Jeff Saturday got nominated to be the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, and now he's one and two. And and now, you know, people, you know, I don't know if, like, the, the talk has changed or people, like, you know, people understood what this was. A team that is close to rebuilding, got a hell of a run game. Defense can be tough, but there's nothing good with the energy in the room, in the locker room. And it seemed like it was a little bit of birth beating the Raiders. And it seemed like they were going to play for Jeff, Jeff Saturday. But what is your opinion on something to say? Because I want you to cross over to, as far as like a segue, because we're going to talk about something that in the high school ranks. I'm going to say, go back to the high school ranks because I want to touch on something with Capitol High. But um, what do you think with being nominated, you know, saying or saying like, hey, I want this person to take over because we had that situation with a Coach Carpenter, which when he'd sit there and say, hey, you know what, I'm done, I'm out of here, wipe my hands. And then Mark Mason gets pushed in this position and has a couple rough seasons and people are like, oh, man, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's you know, it, the, the talk gets a little to where it's like, like damn, I, I, like I, I love Mark Mason. You know what I'm saying? Like, you hate to see that he's going through what he's going through, but it's also being like one of those things where you don't, where you're just kind of like the guy that is like you get the good compliments of like even Bill Stewart got that. You know, he he you know he rah rah, or he's a good person around the team. He he the locker room can vibe around him, but do they have the good coaching skills? Because there's guys that can have the good coaching skills and not be able to win the locker room and get be rah-rah. You know, people like Pete Curl can do both. You know what I'm saying? There's people that can do both. But what is your take on Jeff Saturday? And like I said, we'll get to that earlier, what I was sitting there talking about. But what is your take on that part of it being nominated? You know, when you're saying, hey, you, how do you feel about doing this? First of all, it felt like a, a Jerry Jones in the 90s move. And I don't think anyone is, is giving Jim Ursay enough hell like, Jerry went out and got Barry Switzer. You know, that was an offseason move, but still it was just like, man, you got this underqualified guy. So, yeah, that that was my first thought was if that was Jerry Jones, it would be leading TV every day. Like sometimes you just realize these other owners aren't watched the same. Um, But, yeah, I think it's there, like you said, beating the Raiders, trying to get your coach your first win. The Raiders aren't a good team. I know they kind of snuck one against Seattle. Um but, yeah, I mean, the Colts are what their record says they are. Um, we said it before we jumped on here. He's a, he's a handful of plays away from being 0-3 or 3-0. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the difference in that is if you take a Reggie Wayne, if you take a coach that's on staff, if you take a more qualified coach to take over in the interim, um, I think that you're probably closer to 3-0 and or 2-1 and than you are 1-2 and or 0-3. So those, some of the gaffes, clock management, um, you know, some of these substitutions, watch the end of that Colts Eagles game. The Eagles ran the ball down the field 
they have a horrible pass interference. You know, linebacker tackles a guy. Uh, so they're in the red zone, and you don't have a spy on Jalen Hurts, who's their biggest option. Like, yeah, it's these little things that, as a fan, I'm watching the game, and I'm going, this is the biggest play of the game, and you're just not going to watch the quarterback. You're going to depend on a four-man rush with it's goal to go. Like, it, yeah. it just seems that the bad coaching is evident. Yeah, so, that's, that's, yeah, good point. Yeah, I don't know if – the NFL is so different, and I think people sometimes don't realize head coaches aren't calling uh, play-by-play. Head coaches should be empowering their coordinators or position coaches to make sure that they understand the game plan. And I don't know what the Colts are shooting for right now, but the Steelers are a team dead in the water. They're playing hard because they have a good coach, but their season's over. They know they're playing for draft position. They're just trying to be a spoiler at this point. If you're the Colts, don't get me wrong. I feel like their season's over as well. You fired your coach. You know, Matt Ryan's not going to be your future. Go out there, figure out what you have. You know, if you're Jeff Saturday, this is – it's turning into – it's an audition and nothing more because he doesn't look like an NFL head coach. Yeah. That 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 is – that is something to where he even said on the press conference, he was like, hey, man, if I if I sit there and I go over five and I'd be like, hey, man, I guess I ain't cut out for this. He said, it's just, I'll go on about my, going about my business. I, he, I think he felt like, you know, I would shake off any criticism y'all give me because, A, I didn't, you know, sh- I didn't shoot my shot for this. I basically, you know, took an offer. And, you know, I wanted to see how I go at it. I coached at high school level. I think he won a state championship even. So, I mean, like, there, there, there's that. But what do you what, what do you say about the situation that's kind of, you know, saying similar – or not say similar, but it's saying, like, with, with the state of, like, the West Virginia side of high school football, where we know whenever we was in high school, when you know you had to deal with the Morgantown, the Martinsburg, the Parkersburg, the Parkersburg itself. But then you got South Charleston and got GW. But when you go through the line and then you sit there and you find that little big success and you're like, man, we want a state championship. We went to Willie and knocked off South Charleston. South Charleston, the capital, in the state championship. I thought that was amazing at that time. And then you got this coach, Coach Carpenter. You know, everybody's, you know, you know, he's getting good praise and all that stuff like that. And then he finds his finds himself leaving the team on reasons of, you know, noise from the school, you know, the, the, the school board and things of that nature where he felt like, you know, hey, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to leave. In comes Mark Mason, um, big-time shift that goes on, just same as, like, with Carl Lee coming into South Charleston whenever that coach Green, is that not saying his last name right? Was it Mays or something like that? Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not sure what South Charleston. I mean, I'll be honest there. Um, being out of the state for for almost three years now, I'm a little bit disconnected on some of the other schools. I still I still try to follow Capitol as much as right. I can. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say this real fast on it. This was always my feeling. Um, growing up, my my sister was in the first class uh, of Capitol. I think she tenth grade. She went to Capitol, so she was the first graduating class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, started, I think, 10th grade through um, my older brothers went there. So I was always felt uh, connected to Capitol High School, even uh, like I said, coming up, being younger, uh, graduating myself. My sister graduated a year after I did. My younger sister graduated a year after I did. Um, 
friends that graduated a little bit after me. I had kids that I coached in Little League that I saw go up through Capital. Um, I've always felt like you have schools like Capital GW, uh, South Charleston, schools in that pod that have that Charleston area that have a wide selection of talent to, to choose from. Those schools should always, I feel like a lot of them underachieve year in and year out. Yeah. Um, now, I know we're not talking basketball, but basketball especially. There are enough kids, especially talented kids, um, that we're not recruiting, we're not seeing it through with them. Um, and, and there could be a myriad of reasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every one of those kids are in the, in the right household. I'm not saying all those kids' backgrounds are, are correct. But that's where I think that's what you're talking about. And I feel like I'm talking about the same thing. The community is also failing us at some point. Um, I see the parents, I see friends that I have on Facebook that say my kid's playing for this school or my kid wants to play for this school. But I had that problem. Um, when I came up, I played football for Roosevelt. My coaches were so bad when I went to Capitol, I didn't have trust in that staff. And, you know, they never, they did call me because, you know, they understood that I played, they had my name down. I initially did uh, intend to play high school football, I went through some things in my life, uh, losing some family members. So football just wasn't on my mind. But mm -hmm. I think that's the bigger thing with capital. It's almost like that Coach Carter scene where the parents are wanting to fight back everything the coach has good intentions for. So I think that's the biggest thing is um, it's like you said with college, too. Like there was always transfers in college. It's just now you can play right away. Right. And sometimes these parents, and I can tell you firsthand from being being a coach, sometimes these parents' vision is a lot different from from reality. And sometimes a coach, if if they're not a good coach, you know, they're not their vision is different from reality. What I always used to tell parents is, it's a progression. Your child may not be ready week one. Come come week seven, I had parents that come week seven, their kid, they didn't recognize their own kid because their talent level, their understanding of the game had picked up. Their kid looked like a football player, and it was mm -hmm. something to watch them see that, you know, have that moment, the light bulb pops on for them. Um, so to me, that's the biggest thing with any of those schools, Capital, South Charleston, GW, there's a pool of talent. You just have to go out coach them, recruit them, build those relationships with the parents. The parents got to understand, hey, my kid might not be ready. You know, if you're a parent, my stepdad had me, I was a terrible dribbler when I first started playing basketball. My stepdad had me out with cones in the alley behind the house. You know, I shot free throws after practice. You know, I ran laps after practice when I did football. I ran track in the offseason. So it, there are good parents that are doing that. But a lot of times, you know, we got to let our kids get tough coaching. And as a parent, sometimes that's hard. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, as a community, we have to support these coaches. Um, and at the same time, the coach has to be willing to put himself in front of the community and say the tough things that he said. It, you have to build. Like we're talking about Jim Harbaugh building the Michigan program. Capital needs built back up. And that's the reason why, like you said, you see these same teams in the playoffs every year. So when you knock them off, it feels like such an accomplishment. You yeah, go to those programs, Parkersburg South, uh, Willing, some of these other teams, they're built because no one's going to question the coach because they have his buy-in and the community has bought into him. Yeah, that that's something whenever I looked at it as the – like it was something that you pointed out was like the progress of like a kid that week – like you said, week seven, week eight, and they're, they're, you're like, wow, like – 
he's really starting to sign. I remember being a kid that, you know, that played football one year out of his out of his uh, uh, amateur status. And I would say that was back in middle school. You know, I played basketball. It's just like when I went to football games, I saw the progression in certain players that may have got more time. I hear about at practice, oh, he got some, he got first team reps. And, you know, saying, I'm like, oh, man, sophomore right here? Let me let me check him out. And that's something that goes with, you know, the names and the coaching staff that, that you know, that I knew that was going to have that kid's back on, on boosting him up. And like you said, parents in, 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 is, is in the strength in that as well. Um, Mark Mason has been a person that has always been in those coaching staffs that I've always remembered. I mean, he was my basketball coach, of course, man. Um, but coaching football, you know, he's always been that. You know, he's a Marshall standout star here at football. With him taking over as a head coach, it's like he's not that assistant coach, Mark Mason, no more. And I think that with these new kids coming in, is that something that I don't know if he if if, if he's going to be, you know. With is, is is his voice going to reach out to that? If you get what I'm saying, because that, that goes with the college and you know a lot yeah. of colleges, junior college and stuff like that. You want to have that coaches with the time. Uh, I th- and I think that's what we were saying about Dion too. Like here's the, here's the thing about coaches like that. You're absolutely right. Sometimes that coach, um, some some coaches fill certain roles. So some coaches are your X and O guys. Some coaches are your OGs that'll stare you right. Some coaches are your hype man. And sometimes when you are that, but you become the head coach, you lose that time to be in front of your players and and be that same voice. So sometimes, uh, and that's why, like I said, Dion's so self-aware. He knows how to put himself in the right positions. Um, You got to hire people on your staff. And and again, that's a Jeff Saturday thing too. You got to hire people on your staff that you can trust them because your focus is, the overall direction, the overall game plan, the overall spirit and mood of the team. So sometimes, um, yeah, you, you have to go out and get that. I mean, and then with capital, I mean, you look at certain things like them losing tone too. That's a big thing. Like yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of people that he had connections with, you know, he, he was a lot of the spirit of that team. So you have to keep that in mind too. And it, that, those things don't happen overnight. And I think that's why I always say, if you get a new hire, the community has to be patient. Um, and it's just the same. Like I tell people that um, I supervise people at work. Like I said, I've been a coach before. It's not about you telling people what to do. It's always about how can I support you? What can I do to, to help you achieve your goals? Cause ultimately when you achieve your goals, we achieve our goals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think um, – and, and I'm with you. I went to Mark Mason's camp um, when I was leaving Roosevelt going to Capitol. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could play with a lot of the kids. They coached up stuff there. There's things I put in my game. Um, you know, now I obviously didn't play at the next level, like I said, but still in pickup games even. You know, they teach you stuff. He brought Troy Brown into the camp that year. That was before I think um, – it was 2000, so it was before he was a Super Bowl champ. Brought him in, man, had a – a bag of clothes and a trash bag on his back out there working. He was a working. dog. So. Yep. Yeah, I, remember that. I, I would never forget that. That was like, wow, I was like the first NFL player I met, Troy Brown. Like <laughs> that, that was that was something right there. Cause he had a white he had a white Escalade truck. Yeah, and, and, and 
for me, that was the thing. Like, man, Mark Mason bringing, like, I felt like he was a star regardless. I used to mm-hmm. use him on Madden, and I was like, yeah, I knew yeah. he had the Marshall connection, but I'm like, man, he's bringing pro players out here. He's showing the community that this can be done. Right. So I'm always grateful for that. You know, yeah. I'll always remember that. Yeah, and that's why I'm rooting for him, and I'm hoping that, you know, things can turn around because um, not the kind of season that he – not the kind of couple seasons that he would want it. And, you know, I don't much invest in a lot in South Charleston, but I think Carl Lee, you know, being who he is, would get things turned around. You know, he's had a he had a tough go at it, losing players um, from what I was, you know, that's you know, that's you know, that's me having my ear to the street. I'm I'm gonna get more guests on that has more information than me, but it's just like hearing him losing players um was one of the things and like may have be may have been because of his coaching style or 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 you know, whatever that is. But, you know, that's the, one of the things that in college football, you have national championship coaches, you know, division two coaches that have won championships now complaining about because you have coaching styles or making players available to, to transfer because of the transfer portal. You don't have to sit out a year. It's happening now in high school football. Like, what is the one thing do you – like, like the, the question is for me is to you is do you think it's a cool thing or do you think it's a thing that can be a problem to where in a high school level, triple A, you know, now you got four or five in those states, but we got triple A. But it's just like there's a be kids that can sit there and say, man, I, I don't want him yelling at me, man. Or, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go over here and play here. And and knowing that you're in that area to be like saying, for example, say Capitol High School, is it fair? Is it fair or is it cool to sit there and be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go play at Spring Valley? Um, I'll I'll say this: I think it's important for these kids to understand one. There's some there you have to distinguish. You might not like someone being loud or yelling. Um, but if they're putting you in the right position, they're, they're wanting the best for you. That's not an attack. Bad coaching is another subject. If you have a coach that, like, I'll be honest, I got a, I had a coach in, in junior high school that ran one play. You know, he would, he would call trips, right, big receiver to the left, throw the ball to the left trips, left big receiver to the right, throw the ball to the right. That was his playbook. So we, we didn't even have routes for the receivers in the trips combination. So there's a difference between bad coaching not making you want to play and good coaching but sending the message the wrong way. So I would I would say to anybody that's young and playing football, being yelled at's not a bad thing. Like sometimes some people just don't understand that you could talk to people at the, the level meeting you were talking and still get through. Some mm-hmm. coaches that that's all they know. Sometimes you do have to yell to motivate people. Yeah. Um but I would say to anyone wanting to to transfer or go to another school because it's more pleasant, that you're going about it the wrong way. Talent will find will will find you. You know, people will find talent. Yeah. Uh, being being in cap, freshman sophomore year, they their girls championship in basketball, back to back champs, absolutely loaded. Yeah. You know. And that whole situation where they split the team up because some people were in, uh, you know, this district, some people were in that district. Everybody that got moved around still made it to the level that they should have made it. Sure Everybody, did. all the talent still shined. There's people that are, you know, college graduates. They got split up. They had to transfer against their will 
but you know, some of them are college graduates. Some of them played at a professional level. Some of them have even moved on and, and they're doing great things with their lives. So yep. talent will always shine. You might be uncomfortable because of the coaching, but I would say to those uh, kids, like build that relationship, ask your coach what you can do to build your game, get with yep. your assistant coach and saying, where are my holes? What can I do after practice? What could I do during practice? What are things that I can work on in the off season? So, you know, when you're young, you feel like you're you're waiting to be told the right thing to do. Go out there and find the right thing to do sometimes. Yeah, that is true. Because it's like that that is what makes a that's that's what makes a person with the talent be able to, to increase that talent. Exactly. Make it elite and that makes a kid that don't have that talent at least makes him viewable like like he's gonna have value like you're like man this kid works his tail off and knows all the plays his IQ is up there we can use him you know what I'm saying instead of sitting there like oh man I'm just gonna go and get yelled at I'm gonna go play where I can get some time I'm, we might go three you might you wanna go three and eleven just so you wanna get game time you know it that's that's you know that's what something I always remembered in high school whenever I was in high school if you was transferring that's what you was doing but now people understand now that in this money-making business especially now I, you know West Virginia we don't have to really deal with that but the rankings still apply and now it's in the country you know it's, it's always been national so with the social media entitlement and things like that being nationally ranked is something so you have kids striving to be that here in West Virginia I mean um, we've had a couple kids here now that's like it's really about their life that are nationally ranked, and I had uh, uh, Leroy Ellison who was talking about a few of them. Um, but you know, to make it to that, to make it to that next level, to the cause of what we were talking about, um, it, it's it's I want <laughs> this is something that I would say hilarious. It's John Overstreet. If you did pay attention to the Oregon Oregon State game. You, you you got kids that makes it to that next level. You make it to that next level. What we're talking about with prepping and understanding what you can do to work on your game and all that good stuff that you talked about. I loved how you uh, uh, put that out there. But if you paid attention to that game, like if if you are really putting in the time to get yourself together, it's going to show. And nothing shows more if being in shape of being a team that can sit there and say, hey, you know what, we can go ahead and do this and execute and win and say forget about all the rest. Oregon State came back from a 31 to 10 deficit and won a football game and did not pass the ball in the last five possessions. Man, I just want to hear your astute because I know like I said, I love having John on because he's always gonna like put that that um jail T I you know says like you you got a good way of just putting sports and I love it. So, I mean, from that game, it, me, it, it, it drove me crazy because I'm like, hey, how does a team do that? How does the team win? And, and plus, I had a parlay going. Not even going to talk about that. But what was your reaction if you didn't know that if I'm telling you something new? But what do you have to say about Oregon State being able to sit there and say, you know what? We, are, we, can, we, can, we can see that this team is compromised and they can't tackle. We're just going to run it down the throat. We're going to come back for a 20-point deficit. Now, tell me what you think about that. So I just I, I saw the result. I didn't see the game, but I will say this about it: that shows a well-coached team because they had a mindset and they had a plan. 
I can tell you, like I said, that progression stuff is real. Like I've been in games the first game of the season where we're not mentally prepared. We go in, a team scores first, and the kids look at the scoreboard. And I remember a coach told me my first year of coaching, he said, a lot of times in these games, the team that scores first will win because they're confident the rest of the way. So that's that's true sometimes at these uh, earlier levels. You know, it's not so much true in the pros. But, yeah, sometimes these teams get behind and, and they feel like, okay, we'll just pack it up and we'll pack it in. But, yeah, you get these teams where – look. I hate Falcons fans. I'm sorry, but look at the, the, the Super Bowl where it's 28 to three and New England's doing things in that game. I remember watching that game. Atlanta's it's third and five. Atlanta comes out in a uh, shotgun formation, motions Freeman to the edge to block, clearly indicating that this is going to be a pass play. Matt Ryan gets hit, fumbles, Patriots are right back in the game because they had scored right before that. So sometimes you do little dumb things to take yourself out. You yeah. know, these, these teams that are leading, they're like, oh, I thought they were going to roll over and die. And when these teams don't, some of these teams that are leading find, find themselves in that position. So, yeah, hats off to them. I mean, that's sometimes you find that little niche in the game, you find something that works and, and you go back to it. So it's all mindset, though. I mean, that that's exactly what that is. I mean, it's – you, you become that team, especially later in the year. You find what works for you. You find out, you know, what you can come back from. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's just – that. I mean, that's perseverance, and that's why, why I think fans love sports. Yeah, and it's just like our brows, man. Like, I hate to bring up his name because, you know, but, you know, you got to talk about one thing about, like, making adjustments or, or, like you said, find something that works. I remember in the bowl game against North Carolina where they didn't have no quarterback, and he, he ran a wildcat. The whole game, and I think he put up like three hundred, almost four hundred, some rushing yards. And they, I want to say, they lost that bowl game because that quarterback from North Carolina was 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 really good in that game. I think North Carolina won that game, but I just was it's just crazy how that was a shootout. It seemed like you know you pass it for five hundred yards is the way that game went, but they ran like the Wildcat that whole game. It was just something that hey, just gotta work. This has to work, and Oregon State. Just put something forth that made sure that, you know, hey, we down. This team that got up on us, we made some mistakes here and there. We had a change and we got to go this way. And I just cannot believe that even with a chance to win, Oregon at the goal line could not get in. They were at the goal line with seconds left. Yeah, sometimes you'll, you'll have that. And I think the thing about good coaching is good coaching will highlight what a team does well. Mm-hmm. Bad coaching is like trying to fit a size 13 foot into a size eight shoe. Bad coaching will keep <laughs> trying to put that foot in that shoe, regardless of what it's going to feel like, look like, perform like. So you'll, you'll have that. That's, that's what good coaching is. And I think sometimes people think it's, oh, we went out and we dominated this other team. Brian Dable's doing it. Like Daniel Jones is not by any stretch a productive NFL quarterback, but he's doing enough to win them games. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about the Jets earlier. Robert Salah, he understands that defense is going to carry him. If they get just enough offense, they're going to win games. So they don't have to do nothing crazy. Yeah. So good coaching will do that. And I think Mike uh, Mike White hit nine different receivers. Like, this is crazy. Like, he hit nine different targets. Like, it's just like he was just – he was hitting people, man. And, like, if you have that in a, in a driving rain game, you have a guy that can do that, uh, move the ball methodically. Because that takes long drives to do that. And with that defense, that is kind of scary to think about. 
I'll, I'll be honest about Mike White. I'm I'm still sick that that my Cowboys cut him. We drafted him, I think, in the fifth round. Mm. I'd absolutely keep him. I know Cooper Rush has his following and his fandom, but man, Mike White has always been a solid NFL backup, and I think he. I don't. I don't want to say he has 17 game starter potential, but man, he's just always been a guy that comes out dealing. Like he's there. He's had these three or four game stretches here and there where he's a legit NFL quarterback. Yeah, and and I would tell you that um, the the screenshot of him with the helmet on getting the instruction from the coach about to go in the field and had uh, Zach Wilson in the back sitting there looking crazy. I was like, man, that's like a movie moment. Like, it was like, you lost your job because you are a, like, you're a punk. You know what I'm saying? And that's what your attitude's going to do. And now you got a kid going out there now that's like, I got you. <laughs> I got yeah. you. Yeah, you know? that's what's crazy. Like, he's had every opportunity. They have everything around him. Like, we we talked about Lamar Jackson earlier, you know, how Baltimore refuses to, to add talent around him. The Jets have receivers. Like, Garrett Wilson was a first-round pick. Corey Davis is a speedster. They've got Elijah, uh, Elijah I think it's Elijah Moore. Like, they have talent there. Trey Conklin has been, a, I think, a top-10 fantasy tight end all year, so the production is there. Like, he might not have great stats, but no tight end outside of Travis Kelsey really has great stats this year. They have a Brees Hall. They have a Michael or James Robinson now. They have Michael Carter. There's pieces all around Zach Wilson. He's had everything he needs. He's just not producing. And it's evident why. His attitude and feeling like he doesn't have to do more is, is exactly why. And then you got a guy like a Mike White who, like I said, I'm pretty sure he was a he was a day three pick. I don't maybe it's not the fifth round. He was a day three pick though, but yeah, there's a guy that's working through, and I know sometimes that's a cliche that he's working hard, but he wasn't born with the same opportunities. He went to Western Kentucky. I think Zach Wilson was BYU. BYU's a little higher on the pedestal. So, that, I mean, that that's where my worry for, for him would come from. And if I'm the Jets, I don't know if they move on from him this offseason, if they bring in a, a coach to work with him, but – yeah, Zach Wilson, he's he's going to take a lot of mentoring. Uh, he's going to need a lot of seasoning before he gets to where the Jets need him. And as far as we were saying, like with Lamar Jackson, it's, it is wild to me that the Ravens Passed on, I'm sure they were probably offered because they had a first-round pick as well. I'm sure they had to be offered for A.J. Brown. They could have went out and added him. They could have drafted a George Pickens. There's players available. Brees Hall we talked about. They could have gotten in, in, I don't know, maybe with their late first. Um, He was picked pretty early in the second. So, But Baltimore's got to put stuff around Lamar Jackson. I've never seen a franchise quarterback given so little since Michael Vick. Back talking about the NFL Week 12.
Um, had a quick little, I guess you can call it a technical difficulty break. Um, but back talking about week 12, we were sitting there talking about the Jets. We were talking about Mike White coming in for Zach Wilson and them pulling off a victory. Um, the the Michigan, you were sitting there saying that, you know, any team with a good defense, if you sit there and have some certain offense of weapons, which if you can get through the draft in a, in a proper way, you can be fortunate enough to have a quarterback that can get those weapons the ball. And it, we've seen that happen with certain teams. And I, and then uh, you pointed out, Vic, I pointed out like a team like David Carr and the Texans. Um, but, you know, moving on, um, talking about teams that has actually done that in a good way, but I would say with a twist, I guess you could, you know, in your NFC East, because you're a Cowboy fan, I guess you can sit there and look at this from afar and be like, wow. But the Washington Commanders, they took on the Falcons. And I, you know, my power rankings that I put out last week had them around the seven, uh, well, around the uh, 16, 16, 17 area. And um, Commanders being 16 and, uh, and Falcons being 17. And then having a game this Sunday. And, and, you know, the, the commanders have been able to, you know, get able to be managed by Tyler Hennigy. And with these weapons, they've been able to get through the draft and, and, and you know, and be smart by getting this Deron Payne, getting Jonathan Allen, getting Young, who's going to be coming back. Um, the, the the corners that they're getting is Baptiste and this uh, Temple, uh, 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 what's his name, Forrest, last name Forrest. He's good, and, and they got just these these pieces that are just like wow, they they really shine. They they you point them out, and you're like they he's going to make a play. McLaurin is one of those guys. Robinson's becoming one of those guys, but Samuel's one of those guys as well. But Tyler Henneke is you know managing this offense and is doing a good job. They pull out a victory over the Falcons. Mariota, you know that interception. You, you know, you can sit somebody put out there like, oh, he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. It's like he saw a player breaking open. He saw Cordell doing it, you know, saying going to hit hit the little hitch. He was going to be open right there. He saw it. He looked off. He didn't stare him down. The ball got tipped. And, you know, when people look at that, it's like, oh, my God. It's like he couldn't avoid that from getting tipped. I mean, I don't know. If you step out, you know, I I just don't know when that play where you can sit there and say, man, that's on Marcus Mariota. As a quarterback, yeah, you got to be like, hey, man, that's on me. I the interception. The ball got sitting, got tipped or whatever. But that was a good close game. But, you know, the commander's been able to pull it out. But the Falcons still shows to be tough. But what is what is your what is your take on the commanders with their, you know, rise as they keep on winning right now? Like, what did what you see them, you know, competing, you know, say competing with the Cowboys and the Eagles? What do, you, what do you see for them, you know, maybe possibly shaking up some wild card situations here? Um, I'll say this first on Atlanta because I saw that post too, and I, I touched on one before with that same person. I don't think Mariota is the worst quarterback in the league. I don't even think that's 
that's that's a fan reaction, and I'm not coming at that person, um, but that's that's just a fan reaction in the moment. Um, but looking at Atlanta versus Washington, you said all the right things about Washington. They've got Terry. They've got Gibson in the backfield. They've got Brian Robinson in the backfield. They've drafted well across the board. Uh, Taylor Heineke should stay the starter. Like, you look at them getting in a playoff game, competing with, with Tampa Bay, giving them a fight the next year, beat them with Taylor Heineke. I think Carson Wentz just wasn't the answer they were looking for. I think they thought he would be what Taylor Heineke is, but an upgrade as a passer because of his abilities. Um, so you're not going to get some of those same numbers that Carson Wentz is putting up, but the wins are there. So sometimes you get a guy that's right for the culture. You get a guy that's right with the team. He's he's three years, four years in with that team. So he's the right fit, and I think Washington is starting to push the right buttons uh, on the field because uh, the off-the-field stuff, like, I got to say it, I was – I saw that Sean Taylor statue that they – first of all, they called it a statue. Oh, my somebody God. Put, somebody needs put in jail for that. So, in jail. Yeah. That – you know, Sean Taylor is is probably their most beloved player since the Joe Gibbs era. And and to put that on that man's legacy, like – the amount, the amount of oh snap, the project is due tomorrow, and you slap it together. That's right. what it looked like. But, Ooh. but yeah, I'll try to stay on the field. Like that was on my mind, and I had to. Say. No, yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about it. You know, my thing is, is that like, how dare you sit there and and and, and pump this up? You promote it. How dare you? Listen, if how if, dare you promote this? If Ryan Coogler would have done that for Chadwick Boseman, we would have been in the movie theaters with pitchforks and, and torches. Like, that's the thing. So, like, for, for Dan Snyder to allow that to happen, like, first of all, like, I think that's outweighing the fact that they tried to put a tribute for him and they put his number on the field and it wasn't even on the field. It was off to the side and you had people walking on it. Right. So I, I think that they keep trying to get it right uh, by honoring Sean Taylor, by making sure that the fans have a place for him. I saw someone, and rightfully so, he, his career was ascending. I think he was on a level of a Palomalu. He was becoming on the level of an Ed Reed. Like, if you were playing video games in that era, if you were growing up in that era, I'm a Cowboys fan, so I didn't. You know, I thought Roy Williams was just as good, which if you put their careers four years side by side, they are they are comparative. You know, Roy ended up becoming overweight. He was depressed. Uh, he was engaged to Kelly Rowland and got fat once they broke it off. But mm-hmm. through their four, four, first four years, so for me as a Cowboy fan, like it's a little different. But all the love that I saw from other fans, I got to respect him as a player. He was becoming an all-time great. So to see Washington continuously disgrace this man's legacy, it's yeah. hard to see even as a rival fan. Like that's – to me, if, if you were saying things like, oh, we're going to make a statue of Emmett Smith, and you walk out there with three different brands, yeah. mannequin, like they were Nike, Reebok, and Adidas, all on the same picture. Mm. Man, they have to have somewhere a pair of cleats from his playing days. Uh, I'm sure they didn't just clean his locker out and throw his stuff away when he passed. So right. you would think they would have authentic stuff from when he actually played. So if they wanted to put that uniform on a more constructed mannequin, I think that would have at least been accepted better. But when we when we hear statue, we think of, you know, magic outside of Staples. 
Mm-hmm. We think of Tom Landry outside of Jerry World. We think of these statues of these players. You know, we think of even though it's fictional, we think of Rocky like that's a statue. Yep. So to see them march out a wire mannequin with three different brands, a helmet with no face, and soccer cleats, and soccer cleat like there was nothing that felt like, and that and that's why I brought up uh, Wakanda Forever. It felt like every step of that movie, they really did everything they could to honor the memory, the existence of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it, did. it felt real. It felt heartfelt. You could tell mm-hmm. that there was real love there. There's there's mm-hmm. compassion from people that that really knew him. So. To watch a guy that was gunned down in his own home get that level of disrespect, man, he should have to sell the team just for that and not get a profit for it. He just cashed back out what he put in. Yeah, because he's it's a disgrace. It's a pure disgrace of, I think, of what – it's a disgrace. Like, I mean, that's the best way I can put it. It's a pure disgrace because it's like, what are we What are we here for? You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we're here for – we're here for something that that was that was created to have these legends passed down, and he's a legend. You know, his life was taken short. You know, we we remember these guys. These guys get honored. You know, Pat Tillman has an amazing statue. I am not comparing the two because it's not sitting there. It's not right because 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 you know, whenever Sean Taylor was killed, it was not right of how. They tried to shed the light on how he was killed and try to make him to be some troubled player, some troubled individual, that he was a gang member. And that had to be drawn back and apologized heavily by ESPN and several sports outlets. So when I'm saying that Pat Tillman has an immaculate statue that honors him, I yeah, think as, as he should. Yeah, but, right, but, as he should. Only thing I'm to- saying in comparison is that the Washington team if you are going to sit there and put forth the effort to honor him and say, hey, we're going to put forth a stat, do that. Make you put a Pat Tillman quality statue in front of that place and honor that man. Don't half-ass and, 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 and iron, iron a wire hanger mannequin with wish. Jersey, uh, a Reebok jersey with, with, <laughs> with jersey, Nike pants, Adidas soccer cleats with soccer cleats that a jersey never wore, helmet he never had on. Yeah, the, the, the even the details weren't there. Like the face mask wasn't his face mask, he used to have his fingers taped for a good portion of his career. Like those details weren't even there. Um, like I said, even as a rival, like I would have that level of disrespect, man. It's, it's like you know, when you see some of these players in the video game and they look nothing like them, like it was that. You're going straight to the edit player. You're going straight to the edit player and you are sitting there getting your guy right. You're like, oh, 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 hold on now. Hold on. Let me get by. Oh, he, he got to have his, he got to have, like you said, he got to have a tape on the fingers. He got to have the Dion face mask. He got to oh, have yeah. the field. The eye black, you know yeah. That was Sean Taylor. Right. And but and I'll say this to, to kind of get back to, to the play on the field. Sometimes when people go through things, you know, they pour themselves into work. They pour pour themselves in, into their, you know, uh, devices that keep their mind off the bad things that are going on around them. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what Ron Rivera has been able to do, because if I'm a if I'm a commander's fan, you've went through multiple rebrandings. No one is happy with the commander's name, even still. Uh, you went no. through a stadium experience that is, if it's not the worst in the NFL, 
you're fighting with Jacksonville and and maybe I can't think of another one that I would even put in the bottom three with them. There's pipes yeah. bursting. There's there's players. There's uh, stuff breaking. You know, whole sections yeah. breaking. People falling. Uh, I had I had two tickets to a game to go see Tom Brady, and I had trouble getting the person to go with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, they're, they're Oakland A's, uh, Tampa Bay Rays level of you have the worst stadium in the league, and it's not even an old stadium, so. You know, we're talking about the disrespect of legends. We're talking about the fan experience isn't good. Your owner is in multiple scandals, where whether it's the cheerleader deal, whether it's him and John Gruden's emails, whether it's the recent stuff. So the the commanders and Ron Rivera, they deserve all the credit. They are a team that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay right now is sitting in a wild card or, you know, fourth of, you know, fourth in the division or fourth in the, the playoff uh, brackets, um, you know, so they might see a team like Washington. So that's a team that could be a scary team for some of these people. You know, if I'm Minnesota, like Minnesota could be a bad matchup for them. So Ron Rivera deserves a lot of credit. They did good making a deadline deal, getting a corner that wasn't playing well off of their team. Um Brian Robinson persevering. I feel like, you know, the things Rivera's been through with his his battle with cancer, I think he lost his, his mother to it as well. So these things are, are, like I said, they're pouring themselves into their things on the field and the production showing, they're rallying around Taylor Heineke. They're playing well, but yeah, as a whole, we got to get that franchise. And I'm saying this is a rival. We got to get that franchise out of the hands of, of Dan Snyder. Like, he's... Hey, He's hurting the NFL brand with how bad he is. Hurting it. And, it's, and he's, he's driving a, a dagger right in the freaking gut. Like, it just – it hurts. And it's like you are spitting on Sean Taylor in the process, and I don't like it one bit. And it's like, why? Like, what – you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you, you – you're trying to – you're trying to stay relevant, trying to stay cool, trying to stay, like, honorable for some reason with Sean Taylor's name, and you're, 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 you're making it low rent. And it's – it sucks. Like, it sucks. It sucks. It, it does. And, like, the, the vibes that I get from it, like, if you're a Detroit, and I'm not trying to come down, because I do think Detroit has a bright future. That team is, is, we talked about it earlier in the week, there are a few pieces. I don't know what that piece is, but there are a few pieces away from being competitive. But, you know, when they I bring... The quarterback. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, it, it's like the quarterback can make a couple of defensive pieces that they need. Wait, yeah, they're, they're, or they're, even if they got the two defensive pieces, you're still going to get what you're going to get from Jared Goff to where you need the quarterback. It's got to be the quarterback. I mean, they got to they, they they feel confident enough to trade a tight end. They feel confident enough to sit there and 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 not, you know, they, they're not go get a defensive piece. They got offensive linemen, so they got so they got that in play. So I mean, like they got the things in play to sit there and 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 be good. So it's like. The Detroit Lions, when you look at them and how they play the game of football with Dan Campbell and, and what he has with his coaching staff, that is looking very, very good. Amon St. Brown, Amon Ron St. Brown, with with uh, if you talk about the run game with Williams that has 16 touchdowns, and you got um, DeAndre Swift who's been battling injuries, but he's he's starting to come back around. They have the things that could be something of a, a dominant something up in the NFC North that is struggling because Chicago's trying to find their way with Justin Fields. Uh, Aaron Rodgers on his way out. Jordan Love looked kind of all right, you know, when he came in. 
But they don't. The Packers are not going to get free agency. They're not going to make big time moves, so they're going to have to build through the draft. So I mean, like this is a time to where when Minnesota is trying to take over, this could be a time to where Detroit can sit there and try to slide into that because Minnesota, even with how good they are and came out, how good they came out with the one possession victories they were getting in a row and all that stuff like that, they still come out as me as like one of the bottom teams of that top ten in the league. And with the end of division talk, right now the team to talk about is Detroit. But, but Detroit would never disrespect it, Barry Sanders the way Sean Taylor got disrespected. Huh? Detroit would never – that, that was kind of what I was getting after. Detroit would never – they bring Barry Sanders out all the time. Calvin Johnson. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. They would never disrespect him like that. Like Walter Payton passed untimely. Now, he was done playing, but the Bears would never march out a mannequin of Walter Payton like that. Like, no. Th- th- these are franchises that have been down bad recently, you know, but and these know, are and, and, and small players. Market. In smaller markets too. Yeah. I mean, like, well, like no, Chicago's a large market, but they just they would never do that to Walter Payton. Like they would never have that type of display for for you know sweetness. I can't picture them. You know, he had the Kango. Uh, was it wasn't it the kangaroo shoes that he had, or I yeah. know he had um, the gloves he had. Where the Emmett wore the same gloves early on. I'm trying to remember. I think they were maybe Franklin brand. But when you think of certain things when you see Walter Payton, you think of the headband around the neck. You think of the 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 black Kangol shoes. You think of him wearing those black Franklin gloves. You can picture Walter Payton, a Jerry curl, all of that. So if they brought out a mannequin like that, like Bears fans would have burned the stadium down. Right. And think of like a smaller market team like Green Bay, that where they that town owns a piece of the team. Yeah, they, they would never let like Reggie that, White. They, story, star. they would never let Reggie White have a jersey displayed like that. On exactly. They would have his whole thing. I mean, like his whole like the stuff that is even in the Hall of Fame in Canton. That, that, you know, saying that gets, I mean, like, you think Canton would want to have that anything in anywhere near its exhibits? Like, they'd be like, nah, man. We, no, we there, there's no way. Like, I, I went I went last year and, like, there's some bus that you're like, you have to look at the plaque because <laughs> they didn't get them exactly right. Sometimes when the, per- the person's not standing beside it, you don't see them in the, in the plaque right away in the bus. But yeah, like can't the production is still there though. Like you just might be looking at them in a different light, and plus you see a hundred and two hundred heads all at once, and it doesn't immediately come to you whose face you're looking at. So, but there's still quality and artwork there. I went, I did a stadium tour with my brother of the 49ers, and they have um, lower quality. Like their statues, they're just not. Um, I don't know what they're made out of. Like you can tell it's not like a brass or steel or something like that, but there's certain ones, Ronnie Lott, uh, Dwight Clark doing the catch Montana. They all look like them. They all have the right, you know, the number, they're all the right brands. Like the, all these other teams do it better. And so, yeah, like I, I just, that was where I was going with Detroit would never do that with Barry, but. Oh yeah. I went crazy. I lost my mind. I no, no, you're, mind. you're all good. But like you, you, said all the right, you said all the right things and like, Here's what's wild to me is Detroit can move on from Jared Goff and find their their QB one. You know, if they want to go after one in the draft, they can do that. Where do the Rams go? Because yeah, it, it's yeah. clear that you know it's run out for them. They didn't keep up uh, Beckham. They didn't keep Von Miller. Stafford's been injured so much this year. Allen Robinson obviously wasn't an answer. They've got to rebuild. It, it looks like a year after winning. I've never seen a Super Bowl champ be so irrelevant. 
Yeah, I, I think hmm, this is my thing about the Rams. It's like I think they had a good a good thing going that was getting to a point to where it was like you better win one now because you're going to end up being like Los Angeles Lakers. You know what I'm saying? You had to win now with what they had going. You Some people was going to get paid. They were going to get paid, and that happens. A lot of shifts happen and stuff like that. You know, you didn't account for Odell hurting his knee because he would have been out there, you know what I'm saying? You didn't, you know. It, yeah, it, he comes it, back it, if he doesn't get hurt. I have no, right. no doubt it, there. Exactly. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of things, but I think the run game not being fully established with the fumbles and the, leading up to the Super Bowl with Akers and knowing that he wasn't going to be a for sure guy, you didn't have no backup for him because you thought, okay, Akers going to come back good next year, and he has not been. And then you, you, I think defensively, you, you know, what I'm saying, you, you thinking that it's going to be back dominant and crazy. It's not that they were bad. It's just the offense got so much worse. <laughs> it got put so much on the defense where they like, well, shit. I mean, we don't got offense. They have to recruit back on offense to be back what they were and with Stafford having concussion problems at this point that's 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 whew, that's tough pickings right there man so I, you, you made a perfect analogy and I'm, I'm glad you said the Lakers because I know you're a fan if you if you live in LA and they've went through all this trouble to get football back in LA you know what the future of the Rams are are you becoming a Chargers fan or do, if would you view the Chargers like the Clippers where it's this is the Lakers town. They might have a down year or two, uh, but we're Laker fans. We're not going across the hall to be Clipper fans. Like, would, if you're an L.A. fan, do the Chargers look that much more attractive to you, or would you be willing to give the Rams time to get back? And I, I'm look here, man. If I'm a Rams fan or I'm a Lakers fan, I'm happy I got the ring. You happy you get the ring, and then you go from there. I mean, like, you, 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 you. What is you know? What is the one thing that you want this year for your Cowboys, John? Uh, so I'll say this: Of course, you want. Of course, I want the championship. It's been a long time. The one thing I want is multiple playoff wins. That we haven't season. even we haven't even done that. So like right. I'm trying to be a realistic fan and just say right, right. You give me two. Yeah, give me multiple playoff wins first. So we it's haven't even done where. that. It's putting you where though? But where is it putting you? It's putting you in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah it's putting right. you likely. It's putting so your you in the goal. NFC. Yeah, your goal is is heading in that direction of saying like, yes, I we wanting we're wanting to be in the big game, man. We like. It's no matter if you're thinking that, man, we may lose Lawrence next year, we may lose this player, da 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 da, whatever. And whoever may get hurt in the process, like Charles Woodson got hurt in the Super Bowl, and Odell, and you know, uh, uh, Blaine Bishop, and players yeah, but like you, that. You're right. You you right. want the ring as a fan. You want because... it. You want it, man. And I think whenever the Rams looked at it, when they went all in and the draft picks and all the stuff that they did, they they sit there and got brought Whitworth back, knowing that he was going to retire, knowing they was going to fill them holes. And, and all those things, knowing they have to pay Aaron Donald, knowing they was going to have to sit there and know that this is going to be the same team that's coming back next year. I'm taking the ring because knowing that AD, you know, was not – we didn't know that he was going to be this hurt. But, you know, there was players that we let go that that we should have, but the Rams couldn't help it to some of the things that had to go transpire in the offseason. Couldn't help it. 
And, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. hindsight's yeah. always twenty twenty. And right. yeah, if, you're, if you're a Lakers fan, it, you know Brandon Ingram's probably looking real good right now. You know some of those other pieces as well. But you're right. I, I don't think they win that with LeBron. And and you don't want to waste LeBron. Like LeBron is validated as a Laker. He won a championship. Yeah. He, he you know he's gonna break the record probably in January February. So the points record. So yeah, you didn't want to bring LeBron on and not validate him as a Laker. Like that would have been a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I'm if I'm a Rams fan, I know that I'm gonna go through some tough years. But at least I do have a ring. If I'm a Chargers Clippers fan, man, that, that's it's almost like. I want to say that's the New York equivalent of being a, a Jets and a Mets fan. You know, you could you could like the Yankees and the Giants and they win championships. Mm-hmm. You're liking the teams that stopped winning in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Right. So, yeah, I just I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, because that was a great comparison. The Rams are almost like the Lakers are now. You know, they're a lottery team and it shouldn't feel that way because they just won a championship. And, it, and, it, and they won a damn good one, but just now, let's look at this now. They won a championship, but in a game to where a team that's ascending way better than they are, and a team that's got way more younger pieces than they do. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that keeps on winning, and you know, I had them eleventh. I had them eleventh on my uh, power rank, if I if I if I if I'm not mistaken. I want to say I had them right dead at eleven or tenth. I had them tenth or eleven. I think it was tenth. Adam tenth. And they're just they just keep on coming up. Um I I do want to point out that, you know, without Jamar Chase even in Joe Mixon, P. Ryan has been a, a, a amazing running back. They've been using uh catching the ball and running. They having another running back. I gotta get his name. What was it? Uh, Edwards, I think I want to say his last name was Edwards or something like that, but he he's been a good backup running back until they get Mixon back. Joe Burrow has just got confidence after Wazoo. Uh, I, I like what they're doing. Ten, ten. They had them ten, nine, eight, seven. I had the Cowboys. That's your team. I wanted to get your opinion on that. And with the with the win they did over the over the Giants before this power rank, because now I'm going to start going week to week into the playoffs with this power rank. They are now, you know, they're definitely going to move up. But with with how things are set up, I. With my power ranking, I got the AFC looking better than the NFC. That's my question to you, and then you can, you can tell me about your game with the Cow- with with the Cowboys and the Giants. But what do you think about me sitting there saying that the AFC is better with than the NFC right now? With my power rankings having it more dominant on their side on the in the top in the top ten. Uh, I'm okay with it, and and I'll say this: I think a lot of people are going to look at the NFC and say you've got a nine and one Eagles, you've got a. Uh, uh, or they might be 10 and 10 and one, but you've got the Eagles only one loss. You've got Minnesota with only two Dallas is a three loss team that, that had a backup for five games. So there's a lot of people that might look at those teams and, and say the NFC, you know, or the depth of the NFC, because you've got the commanders, you've got the giants, the 49ers are coming on. They look like the, the team to beat, you know, the way they've been shutting folks out in the second half. Um, but there's a lot of really good NFC teams, but the AFC has those quarterbacks when you look at a Jalen Hurts, he hasn't won a playoff game. When you look at Kirk Cousins, might have one or two, I think maybe one, maybe two playoff wins. Dak Prescott, uh, one playoff win. He's only beaten Seattle in the playoffs. So you start looking at some of these quarterbacks and it, with those teams that have good records. Daniel Jones, I don't think he's ever won a playoff game. 
uh, Taylor Heineke's been, but hasn't won. Jimmy Garoppolo is the most experienced, and, and, and Brady, obviously. Um, but with Tampa's record, you know, people aren't thinking of putting them higher in the, in the power ranking. So when you start talking about these teams in the NFC, you haven't seen these quarterbacks battle-tested and playoff-proven. When you look at the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, you know, leading them, he's playoff-proven. He's a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Josh Allen yeah, has done everything proved. you can and, do in the playoffs. What 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 is what do you what do you think about the Cowboys? What do you think about the Cowboys and the Giants in that game? Like, what what was your what was your key things? Like, what was the main things you liked about the Cowboys in that? Uh, definitely the adjustments because the second half, I think they played they realize things like sometimes when you're in a game, you understand what the other team's capable of. So them going for it on their own side of the field in the first quarter, like that was such a bizarre, like you didn't run it on third and short. Now on fourth and short, you decide to come out and run it on your own 42 yard line or whatever it was. It felt like a panic decision. Like, man, this is the giants. They're not going to hang around with you unless you let them. Right. And that was a move in the first half where we let them hang around. You know, they're not a highly talented offense so the Giants aren't going to beat you 27 to to something 31 to something 35 to something they're going to beat you 24 to 20 or 17 to 10 like that's the Giants type of game so I felt like early on we were trying to over coach and be over aggressive we got into the second half Zeke ended the game with 92 yards rushing we used him very well for the most part um that game really upset a lot of people. You know, I go into work after Thanksgiving. There's a lot of people that bet money on the game. It was a 10-point spread. Dallas misses a late field goal that would have put them up, I think it was 28-13. to 13. Mm-hmm. So that field goal makes it 31-13. Everybody's investment's protected. They miss that field goal. The Giants burn all the time. I think they had something like eight seconds left when they scored their touchdown. Uh, so it, the final score indicated that it was a little bit closer of a game than it really was, but – yeah, Dallas made the adjustments. Um, New York, other than scoring that meaningless touchdown, really couldn't do anything with the ball in the second half. Um, Dan Quinn's defense just really came to play in the second half. They made the right adjustments, played field position, didn't let the Giants' offense dictate to them. They kind of turned the pass rushers loose. Uh, Micah had a field day, so uh, some of these pass rushers had a field day. You know, the Giants' offensive line was banged up. I understand that. That goes back to what we were saying earlier. Sometimes – quick throws are the way you got to get that ball out of the if you know you're missing you've already got backups in then you got people out with illnesses get the ball out of your quarterback's hands run Saquon Barkley 35 times if you have to yeah well they did the game before that and I felt like what I knew they weren't going to against y'all but because he had like 36 carries in the game before that but you know that's the one thing that Dak that I like about you know so much of what makes him successful is that his high accuracy comes from just being able to get the ball out quick and be able to, you know, just, hey, I'm not, like, I'm not going to say he's not good of, you know, not say broken plays, but extending plays. Yeah, extending plays is is not his strong suit. Right. He can do it. But whenever everything is scripted nice, where he can drop back and make an accuracy, put it right there, lead the player, Drew Brees style, I think he excels more like that. And whenever he can have that time to get back there and just, you know, boom, 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 he can he can be active. Um, and I'm glad to see him, you know, like I said, run the ball um, on some plays and being able to get first downs in that way. But 
that's the one thing about Dak is that he's act he's more accurate what people, you know, saying so like to give him credit for. And I'm glad that, you know, there actually are people analysts out there that will point that out that he's, you know, he, he can be very efficient because he's on time. You know, that and that's why I was, you know, I wasn't trying to give such a like um a hard take on CD Lamb on or or the tight end, but CD Lamb on that one play where he, you know, he didn't keep it flat. You know, he tried to he tried to post it out. And you know, you post the on the timing route, you post to sit there and feel that your quarterback is going to put the ball right there. You you flatten that route out. You catch the ball. You get a first down. And Dak Prescott is like really good at timing on that. And I, you know, having that talk with, uh, I guess, has been on the show. Um, you know, sitting there saying, "Oh, that that might not have been a good throw by Dak, or he shouldn't have thrown that, knowing if you know C.D. Lamb wasn't going to sit there and flatten it out." You expect your guy if he's supposed to be your guy, you know, especially whenever Gallup wasn't playing. C.D. Lamb is supposed to be doing be supposed to be up there. He's catching one hand passes, so you're supposed to know that you're supposed to flatten that out. So I mean, like that. That's where I wasn't like I wasn't trying to bold in all caps. Be like that was C.D. Lamb's fault. But whenever interceptions come into play, especially coming from the Americans team, Dallas Cowboys, and that's going to land on Dak Prescott, I at least like to come in with a little defense and saying, like, hey, that maybe not have been his fault. Because I look at that as where people do that for Brady. People do that for um, even Mac Downs to somebody like a Mac Jones. But like, oh, that wasn't his fault. And it's like, yeah, why? why? You know what I'm saying? Like, quarterbacks get that so much where it's like the Daks because of Dallas and and, and other reasons where it just like it gets more in that like man you see he's not even accurate and it's like somebody was blurt that out and you're just like well I mean I don't know what you're talking about man and it, it makes it it makes it hard it makes it hard to sit there and say well uh, Dak Prescott you know, is is not an accurate quarterback because that would be the narrative and it'd be like man actually he's very he actually is very accurate. He actually actually is very on time, and it just takes for the wide receiver and, the, and or the tight end to sit there and be there to 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 make that play because he throws amazing passes to the running backs to to make them uh, have the plays out in space. So he's been able to show that, and and like like uh, John Overstreet said, having that having that being able to have that with the run game, play action becomes a bigger thing. And that's why teams are excelling at this time because when it gets cold, you want to pound and run the ball. When that gets going, that's when you take your shots. That's why, like, a player like Deshaun Jackson was able to make his play, you know, and everybody thought that game was going to be over. And then Jacksonville Jaguar comes down to be able to make their play. Trevor Lawrence steps up and makes big-time plays. I've been waiting for Trevor Lawrence to step up and start making plays. And I've been said that he was the best quarterback taken in the draft um, of those guys with him and Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance and all those guys. Like, he was going to be the guy. And it started to show more and more, and it could prove me right. And 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 that's the type of plays that he threw, the one, the one pass to Christian Kirk, um, the, one, uh, the one pass that he threw um, to uh, Marvin Jones. And it just shows that he is now starting to be more comfortable. He's already got the frame, the body, the six foot six, and sit there and stand up top and, and throw those passes and get it there. I think we lost John on a technical difficulty, but we're going to keep it rolling. Um, hopefully, he get right back. Um, 
usually sometimes it does happen. He might get back on there, but yeah, no, I think, have... I think you got it. Um, the oh, there, person, there we go. There we go. Yeah, the only person I'm putting there with Trevor Lawrence, we don't know what Trey Lance is. I was, I was telling my brother this. He's been hurt. We don't know what he is. Mac is Mac. I feel like he has a ceiling and he's already hit it. Yeah. Um, so we know what some of uh, we talked about Zach Wilson earlier. Fields is the only one. Now he's a little bit banged up, but Trevor Lawrence is starting to build that confidence. And I think I'm also concerned. I know we talked about Baltimore's playmakers earlier. You just traded to add a linebacker. You you've tried to build this defense, and you're out there still giving up 28 to Jacksonville. So yeah. that's concerning too. Like you're picking up these pieces, and and it's not working. So. But, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is, is moving in the right direction. I think he's flourishing without Urban Meyer, which that's good to see. I'm interested to see if the Jags want to go after Frank Wright next season, add a little bit of that Philly offense, spread it out, you know, incorporate the running game a little bit more. I think Etienne ended up getting hurt this this past week, so it'll be interesting to see how they go forward. I don't know how long the injury is, but, yeah, Lawrence is starting to look like the guy that they picked him to be. Yeah, I think so, man. And, you know, Jaguars has, you know, the things of defense to where it's like, man, you might as well sit there and, you know, try to build most of this offense up. I hated that they gave a ridiculous contract to Christian Kirk, even though he's starting to be good. You know, he's he's being good. I'm not – Yeah, he's producing. But that's a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? And you can still put some pieces and add things there and not have that on the salary cap. But it is what it is, you know. <laughs> it is what it is. But that Jacksonville team – it's just like him show that we're like an AFC Detroit. We could be a tough out. We got building pieces, and they got, you know, I would say probably one of the better defensive players that they got in the draft of Walker. And then they got Josh Allen still. So, Well, if, if they don't even need everything to go right, if they get enough things to go right, they can compete in that division for probably the next five to ten years. Like, you look at the Colts being broken, they don't have a head coach right now. Yeah. Matt Ryan's their current quarterback, so he's not their future. You look at Houston. Houston doesn't uh, – if there's a player that I told you the Bucks could have for free from the Texans, you might take Brandon Cooks, but probably not because you got good receivers. You might take Damian Pierce, but probably not because you got two good backs. There's not another player on that Texans roster that if I told you you could have for no compensation, you'd take. Yeah, I know. Honest to God. So – Jacksonville. I mean, you think I would take David Wells? I mean, you think I would take David Wells? Maybe one or two, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and that's if they're giving them to you for free. So, the Texans, I don't see them. It's going to take years to rebuild them. I don't think Levy Smith was the coach they wanted to hire either. I feel like they settled on that. Mm -hmm. So if you're if you're Jacksonville, man, just add a couple pieces, and all you got to compete with is is Tennessee. Yeah. With Tennessee, now you bring them up. As you can see, how their offense has been, I'm starting to see some things from uh, Traylon Burks, some good things. But you want to see from the Tennessee Titans. With the one thing I want to see from the Tennessee Titans is that when that defense aside, what they used to be secondary wise, they got to get back to they got to get back to where they were. You know, what I'm saying stopping the pass because I feel like that when me and you had the conversation, where it was like the one thing that if 
when that because I do play the cow uh, the Titans play the Cowboys here coming up, right? Yeah, we play them in December. Uh, right. And, me and, and you, me a, and you, right? Me and you were talking about um, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cowboys, and I and I looked at similarity, but like, well, you're playing a team kind of like them coming up playing the the, the Tennessee Titans. That's something that the barometer want to see that where I, where I'm saying that the AFC may be a little bit more tougher. But I can't wait to see that game because I want to see in that style with the, the Green Bay Packers being able to run it on y'all the way they did over 200-something yards rushing if the Tennessee Titans are going to be able to have that success against y'all. And that's going to be the barometer that I'm going off of to see, if I was correct on that, to see if Tennessee is that good to where they are strong. and where they Because I think they do have a strong team. They just need, like I said, secondary-wise, they get some things under, under control. But it's not horrible. But yeah, I think for Tennessee too, like they've they've won that division so much recently that we've seen them consistently play against other teams winning their division. So they're playing the Chiefs every year, they're playing the Bills every year, they're playing some of these top tier quarterbacks every year. And when you're in the AFC and you're seeing Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Joe Burrow, you're seeing some of these passers on a consistent basis, your secondary is is going up against a test every week. Whereas yeah, you may have eaten. So even Trevor Lawrence, who we're talking about coming up, you're not having a lot of games against bad quarterbacks or bad passing games. So, yeah, Tennessee secondary is going to, have to step up. But again, you got to realize like they're not going against bums weekly. Like they're mm-hmm. not they're not playing against. And I'm I'm not taking shots of temper or anybody here. But yeah, if you're playing Mariota, Andy Dalton, whoever Carolina's marching out, whether it's Walker Baker or Sam Darnold. Though your pass defense is going to look a little bit better against those guys versus having to see Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, some of those guys because you're playing a first place schedule consistently. So, yeah, t- Tennessee will be just fine. And and I'll say this as a Cowboys fan because um, I, I started I started typing this out earlier. There's just a cloud from that Green Bay game left, and I, I said it I said it to an Eagles fan on Facebook. As a Cowboys fan going into that game, it was all about. Our boogeyman is the boogeyman is hurt. Can we finish him off? And we didn't. And so I think that that cloud is just still hanging around. We beat the Vikings. I think we took it out on the Vikings. Obviously, they bounced right back. I don't think that's the team that they are consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if I'm a Dallas fan, like I'm looking at Tennessee, I'm looking at Philadelphia still on the schedule. Um, I think we all understand that we we should be a playoff game with another couple of wins. We've got the Colts. We still have the commanders, so that, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, we go to Washington for that. Um, but we have the Colts coming up this week after a long break. I'm trying to remember. I think we still have Jacksonville on the schedule. Yeah. Um, so there, there's some games that might look like gimmies, but then there's some games where historically you've looked at Dallas and you're like, this is a tough opponent. Can you do what you're supposed to do? Right. I needed to ask before I get y'all because, you know, Travis Etienne, he's up there on the running backs and top carries, uh, yards per carry. Um, I think like five some yards per carry, man. Like you know, that that team can give y'all some problems. I here's the thing about the the run defense for me because we just played Saquon and I know it's on a short week, but right. if you look at the course of the season, uh, Fournette had a hundred on us, and it didn't seem like he he did have a chunk play here or there, but. A lot of these big runs that you're seeing that are chunks, the Green Bay game, the the Bears came back on us a little bit running the ball because we were we were blowing them out. I think it was like a three score lead at one point. And they started running the ball and got back in it. Um, 
some of this stuff is we're trying to unleash our pass rush a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Dan Quinn made some good adjustments the last two weeks against teams with Dalvin Cook and, and Saquon Barkley, and neither one of those backs had a big day. So he's made some adjustments. I'm interested to see if against a Derrick Henry, against a Jonathan Taylor, like we shouldn't overlook him this week either just because he's had a bad, you know, a slow start to his year. But you're right. There's Derrick Henry. There's Jonathan Taylor. There's a Travis Etienne. Uh, there's Robinson and Gibson coming up with the commanders. Um Mal Sanders and Jalen Hurts is still in the schedule. So I don't think it's as big of a problem as what it's made out to be because of the Green Bay game. But I do think Dan Quinn has dialed back wanting to to pin the ears back and let the pass rushers go every play. Yeah, that 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 is that's a good way to put that. I mean that I just look at it where it's like where that's the, the main reason why y'all are giving up the rushing yards is like y'all that pass rush is, you know, trying to trying to just be that ignite, you know, saying like, hey, we, we're firing after it and we're going to have to deal with the run today. And I know sometimes those outside guys are like, oh, shit, we got to deal with the run. I've heard them say that, you know, saying a, a bunch of times on interviews and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we got to deal with the run today. You know, we got to We got to deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, if you go back to some of those early games, like we played Joe Mixon. Yeah. They the Bengals scored 17 points that game. So mm-hmm. there, there's been good running backs we've played, and it's real quiet when those running backs get – I won't say shut down, but when those running backs aren't having big days, you know, mm-hmm. you don't hear about it so much. So, we, you know, playing the Bengals back in September, playing the Giants, I think it was September, early October. Saquon didn't have a, a big day that, that game either. So, you know, they the run defense has played well. It's just – we went through a spurt of games where the Bears gashed us after an early lead. The Packers gashed us after we had a big lead. We're getting these leads and, and letting teams get back in it by running the ball. And, you know, against the Bears, the Bears just ran the clock out on themselves and then Pollard ended the game anyways. But against Green Bay, we just should have put them away running the ball ourselves, and we didn't. Mm-hmm. Green Bay stayed true to who they are. But, yeah, like, as as a fan, that's my biggest thing. It's not so much the run defense. It's – can we win the games that we're supposed to? So I, I, I'm interested to see what Dallas could be. And like I said, my expectation is that, oh, this is our year. That's the, the ongoing joke with Cowboys fans. It's just get in, get in the tournament, win multiple games. That needs to be the first step. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> – and, and if I'm being honest – That's what it has to be for a lot of teams. If you're Philadelphia, I think a lot of people still think Philadelphia won the Super Bowl last year. Philadelphia is years removed. And if you start looking at that team, Alshon Jeffrey's not out there. Jay Ajay's not out there. Uh, Jason Peters is playing for the Cowboys now in a backup role. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, some of these big-time players, you don't have long on the defensive line. You don't have, you know, some of these defensive backs and stuff that they had. They do have good players that have stepped in. Gardner Johnson leading the league in picks. Mm-hmm. Darius Slay is is one of the elite corners in the game. AJ mm-hmm. Brown has come on in that Alshon Jeffrey role of of being the big free agent receiver. So they have those pieces, and that's why to Eagles fans it looks like they have a real shot, and they do. But you know, if I'm an Eagles fan, it's about winning multiple playoff games because Jalen Hurts has never won a playoff game. Yeah. If I if I'm I like a Buffalo it. Bills fan, we got to beat the Chiefs or the Bengals in the playoffs. We got to win multiple playoff games if I'm a Bills fan. Yeah. If, speaking of the, speaking of the Buffalo Bills, that was something that I was going to go to. It's a nice segue. 
do you think do you think that these teams do you think the Bengals are better than the Buffalo Bills right now? Um, in in this moment, yes, but I do think the Bills are are still everything we think they are. They've just, you know, injuries have hit them in the mouth a little bit, and I think people are still thinking Josh ja- uh, Josh Allen is playing at this MVP level, and probably the last four weeks he really hasn't. He's he's mm-hmm. struggled at points. Yeah, but he's still carrying the team. That's yeah, like yeah, he's, he's, the team is on his back. Like, it, it's like that Greg that Greg Jennings Madden clip we've all seen. I got the yeah. team on my back. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> but, it's just, wow. I think it's people don't want to talk about on a national level that he is struggling. If if that were a Dak Prescott, a Tom Brady, and Mahomes, that's what's leading these shows. Josh Allen will be fine. Like I'm not here to criticize him. I'm just saying like it's good that he's in a market that's not airing out how his he's playing right now, which he's still playing at a good level. He's just struggling a little bit. But right. yeah, if I'm Buffalo you want Von Miller back for the playoffs healthy. You want to make sure you're getting in the playoffs with some of these guys that they've had out. You want to get Josh Allen healthy. Um, they played on Thanksgiving too, so they had two games in four days. Right. So they've been, they've been out there. Just, they they be like, we've been showcasing. We had played in another stadium. We played in the same stadium twice. Twice. Back to back games. Which may have benefited them. So right. know, playing, yeah, playing indoors, it. not right. Buffalo, New York in, in November, that can benefit you. Mentioned it. Mentioned that. Mentioned that. Um, do you think? Do you think any other AFC team is better than the Buffalo Bills, other than the Chiefs, of course? But do you think any other AFC team is better than the Bills? Do you think the Ravens or the Titans? Uh, no, no, for, no for both of them. And I, I think it's because when you get in the playoff football, um, Lamar Jackson again, like we keep talking about it, man, that playoff success just isn't there for him. I, I yeah. love him. I love his energy. I love his personality. I love his production. But man, in the playoffs, he's put up some stinkers and. And then Tennessee is another team. They just they keep getting close, but they just don't have that thing to take them over the top in the playoffs. Um, they'll be around because their style translates. They're coached well. But, yeah, B- Buffalo and Kansas City, I think, are, are – I throw Cincinnati in there. I think those are your only real contenders in the AFC. I swear, man, what do you think about this whole contract year thing where contract year is going to get the most, and then you get the most out of, like, certain players. And, and if you this year has been Josh Jacobs, you know, for what lack thereof, the Raiders have been in certain games and stuff like that. We've seen their season go up and down, but they still ride the die with Josh McDaniels. And it seems like Josh, Josh Jacobs is playing to either come back there with a lot of money or go somewhere else making some money. But he had the 90, what, what was it, 83-yard uh, touchdown run for the, for the win in overtime. That was something that I was like, man, I, I didn't see the Raiders winning any more games. And they get that win. And I was like, well, it's you know, the Seahawks, they had to answer back from the Germany game. And that was a game they could have won. And they done the things that, that they could have won that game but just did not get it done. And then they go to overtime. Devontae Adams makes great catches. Derek Carr, you know, hangs in there after getting hurt and from the ribs. It looked like he was going to be out the game. And he comes right back in and throws a touchdown. So, I mean, like, what? Do you see going forward? Because we can't. I'm not talking playoffs with the Raiders right now. I mean, like, it, no, they're dead. They're, they're dead. Yeah, they're, we they're dead in the water. We're dead in the water. But beating the Seattle Seahawks, who had playoff mentionings and I think still is in play. Like, what? Like, what did you? What did you take from that game? And like, something to look for in the future with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. 
Uh, one one for Seattle, I think sometimes teams run out of stamina. They're starting – you can see the 49ers starting to pull away from that division. Yes. Um, and next. Yeah, and you, you can kind of see Seattle being the team that we thought they'd be in the preseason. Now their offense – Geno's still playing at a high level. Their mm-hmm. offense is still good, but their defense is, is starting to look like a, a team that has a young defense. Yes. So losing Bobby Wagner is another thing, like – Early on, it didn't show so much because they, they were having early success. But now you're starting to get into the dog days of the season, and, and Seattle starting to kind of be the team that we all thought they'd be, kind of a team in the middle or, or lower part of the league. But, yeah, the Raiders have, have surprised me. And I think uh, they beat Denver in overtime last week, didn't they? Yeah, I think anybody beat Denver at this point. You know about this real quick because we're not even going to talk about Denver. We're not going to talk about Westbrook. we already done this before. But I'm going to point this out, though. Carson Wentz has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson. Okay, go and continue. That's no, just unbelievable, ain't it? You're good because I keep seeing the guy on TikTok that says they have more bathrooms in their house than Russell Wilson has. He has more bathrooms in his house than he has touchdowns. But, <laughs> <laughs> so he's got – there's a guy on TikTok. He, every week, Russell Wilson's got 12 bathrooms in his house. I think he's at seven or eight touchdowns. And so the guy goes – well, Sierra did that need more bathrooms or hold him strong at 12. Russell's at seven touchdowns this week. So, Carson Wentz has not played since freaking Halloween, man. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, so, but here, here's my thing with the Raiders and, and Jacobs. And Con- there's, a, there's a lot of good running backs, and I don't remember the list, but uh, Tony Pollard's one of them, too. So, Dallas mm. is talking about franchising Tony Pollard with a running back oh that my has God. yeah a, a top five contract with Zeke. I'm pretty sure he's probably a top three paid running back. Uh, maybe McCaffrey and and Derrick Henry are paid more than Zeke, but they're talking about franchising a, a Tony Pollard. So um, I hope we retain Pollard. I never worry about the bag for players. I want to see any player get paid what they should get paid. I don't want to see anybody in life get paid what they should get paid. But, yeah, I think Josh Jacobs is – he's going to find himself in a good situation. Maybe he goes uh, to a team that's a running back away. He goes to a contender where he can he can really shine. Maybe he stays with the Raiders and and they, they build. But I, I'm not a fan of Josh McDaniels. Um, I think the late the, the Raiders have a long climb to get mm-hmm. back. But yeah, what what Josh Jacobs is doing, what Tony Pollard, what a lot of these running backs are doing in their contract year is man, it, it reminds me of varsity blues where uh the running back saying, you know what, I'm gonna get mine. I, I'm yeah, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm gonna get mine, however, because he, he knew he was the same thing. He's a senior last few games, he's making sure he's getting recruited. So right. I got that, my mom, I got my mom sending my tapes out. Yeah, Graham Gramlin looking at me. So that's what I hope is, is going on for Josh Jacobs. Like I wish him the best. I hope he gets a bag from from whoever. He's he's leading my fantasy team. So I appreciate that. Him and Nick Chubb are holding me down. So uh and I don't know what Chubb's contract status is either, but he right. might be one of one of them that's up or, or close. Kareem Hunt is is done with his deal. Mm-hmm. He's got a few games left. So team teams are there's gonna be a good market for running backs, but yeah, I want to see Josh Jacobs continue to do his thing, not just for fantasy purposes. I want to see anyone shine as long as they're not beating my Cowboys. But, yeah, I think I think that's a real thing. I think people in their contract year, you're going to see a little bit more effort out of them because they know their future is on the line. Right. That is true. And, you know, um, 
the next the next team I want to talk about is something with going with the what we were talking about beforehand. But there's some contract years on this team as well. But you got the uh, like the Miami Dolphins. Do you think they are better than the Buffalo Bills? Now I know that the Buffalo Bills beat them in their first match. They got them again. But do you think the Buffalo Bills have fell off to where the Miami Dolphins at the edge now? I mean, like with with what they are doing with Tua. And this in this offense, this defense, don't let this defense get hot at this time because they got pass rushers, they got rush stoppers, they got guys like Wilkins, they got Chubbs, they got uh Melvin Ingrams, they have these people that are flying at these I mean they're shutting shit down that they wasn't before. I'm starting to see this Miami Dolphins team be a problem. Where do you see them? I, I'm glad you brought him up because I'm going to apologize to all the Dolphins fans right now. I, I legitimately forgot about them when I was talking about contenders. But the I call them the 49ers East because they got Mike McDaniels. He's brought over Mostert. He's brought over Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Uh, they play a lot like the 49ers mm-hmm. uh, offensively. Defensively, I don't think that they have an elite defense. But, man, if, if, they, if you get in a shootout with them, their defense is built to stop the pass. Xavier and Howard, Byron Jones are good corners. They have pass rushers. Adding Bradley Chubb at the deadline was a major win for them. Um, they've got pieces. Now I'm intrigued to see, you know, because we haven't seen them in a playoff scenario, but, man, Tua's a national champion. Yeah. So that stuff translates. I think he's been in big games. He's played in the SEC. It's not going to be new to him. He'll play the same in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to get antsy or – or scared or anything, but yeah, I, I apologize, man, uh, to Dolphins fans. Like I, I legitimately, you know, was thinking about the AFC and didn't mention them. Um, they're a good team. They will compete with Buffalo. Um, and and here's the thing: I think a lot of people traditionally think that these warm weather teams can't travel and play in cold weather environments. But I know with Jeff with Jeff Wilson and Mostert, they can run the football. They've proven mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's the one thing that. You know, a lot of people, you know, even me, I throw it out there because I say it gets to the nitty-gritty. But it's not to say that Miami can't. I throw it out there to say there's certain players out there that's ready to rock and roll. And like you said, Reed Mostert is a player that can definitely get it done. They got a kid um, that, that's been running pretty damn good for them. You know, seemed like a bigger type back that's been uh, successful for them as well, rocking the Jordan 1s. And like you said, Tua is a national champion quarterback that can handle some things that we can see. He handles adversity. We can get over the fact that he can he built for the NFL and he handle it and all that stuff like that. As you can see, he's way built different than a Calamari who's out of this world good. But around these months and weeks, you know, saying week 12, week 13, we head into these seasons, we're going to see the difference of what a quarterback can handle, what we've been seeing the past few seasons, not so much of what Calamari can handle this time being hurt and banged up. But we see a Tua get hurt and banged up and say, hey, I'll be ready to rock and roll and go out there and be able to be uh, the leader of that football team. That's what is showing more and more of an MVP quality and me more in the MVP, MVP talk. I'm loving the skill positions that they, you know, what they did with Waddle and getting Tyreek Hill. And having Mike Jacecki and having the, you know, like you said, what you mentioned with the running backs, but to having the pass rushing that they are starting to develop, that's the bigger, scarier thing 
especially in the, in these in this winter time because these quarterbacks don't want to get hit up the middle with when it's cold getting hit on that cold artificial grass. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the thing that if when they start doing that, that's when I think that they're going to be somewhat better than the Chiefs because if they end up having a better defense than the Chiefs and being able to slow them down and be able to beat them, there's their last there could be Miami Dolphins and Cincinnati Bengals being those two top teams in the AFC. And that could be scary because both of those teams like to run up points and they're young and they're, they're, they're cocky, you know what I'm saying, in a good way. And they're going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch. With the Chiefs and Bills being there, Ravens, if they can sit there and add the wide receivers like we talked about earlier, those are things that are important. And this AFC has more bells and whistles than the NFC, but the NFC are tough and not weak. So, you know, there's teams that, like the 49ers, like you, I loved how you compared them to the Miami Dolphins because that's an offspring, more or less, that went to the Miami Dolphins and started what they started. And the Miami Dolphins, I mean, in the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers are starting to be so damn good on defense because what I talked about on previous episodes about them not having those defensive players, which people understood that. And, you know, when I did my first power ranking and where I had you know, a certain team where I didn't have a certain team I played. I was like, well, they like we the Falcons, they all, we beat the 49ers, but you beat the 49ers, you beat the 42ers. You know what I'm saying? You might have beat the 40ers. They might have beat, beat the 29ers. They had they had a saying, mass amount of people out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they had a mass group out in that game. And 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 you know, I think I think that right there plays a big part to whenever a, a, a freaking um, an analyst can sit there and come up with a with a breaking news and say, "Hey, man, there's 11 players going to be back for the 49ers." Ain't that telling that the team is going to be dangerous when all these players get back? And then what have they done since they've been back? They've been ter- they have been tearing the league up offensively and defensively. It showed defensively against the Saints, shutting them out. What did you like from the 49ers in that game? Not well. You said it. Not just that game. The the last four games they've played, they shut the Chargers out in the second half. Yes. They're a high-powered offense. They shut yes. the, the Cardinals out in the second half. Yes. They've got big pieces. They shut out the Rams in the second half. The Rams are wounded. But then, yeah, they shut out the, the Saints for the, the whole game, and their momentum is going. So they didn't, they didn't score a whole lot. But sometimes, like I said, you understand your opponent. You don't have to score a whole lot. 13 right. to nothing. They they put him in a sleeper hold and, and just ran the clock out. Yep. Like it was almost like, okay, they didn't tap out, but they couldn't do nothing else. We just put him in a sleeper and they sat there through the rest of the round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm seeing I'm seeing Cowboys Twitter is talking about uh Tyron Smith is almost back. Like, yeah, we need him. If we run into a pass rush like the 49ers, like that's a direct quote. I've seen people say, like, we can't get through the playoffs. Like we played the Niners last year in their pass rush tore us up. Like we need players like that coming back. We're not going to beat them with Connor McGovern at guard. We're not going to beat them with a 40 year old Jason Peters out there at left tackle or a rookie Tyler Smith. Like they are coming. And I think adding Christian McCaffrey made them that much more dangerous. They're still using Elijah Mitchell. They've got Debo. They've got uh, Brandon. Ayuk. They've got George Kittle in the middle. They've got depth. Uh, Jimmy's playing solid. He's not trying to – he's not going to win big games by himself, 
And I think they've, they've started to figure that out and, and reel the playback in for him. So yeah. they're a dangerous team right now. And they're one of the teams that if you told me uh, I could have a bingo card of who I don't want to play, they might be the first chip I'd put down. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and that's why I had them my number three team um, in a power rank, which is, you know, like I said, I'm going to come out with that maybe tomorrow, my power rank for week 12. I mean, week 13 coming up. But <clears throat> the 49ers, but Jimmy Garoppolo is the only, you know, Jim, and with Jimmy Garoppolo's been being efficient, but he's probably the only person that can screw it up. You know what I'm saying? And him being a quarterback, yeah, it's easy to point the finger at, but I, he's literally the only player that can definitely just screw it up. He he threw an interception in, in that game against the Saints where he like, see, you just can't throw one of those. You know what I'm saying? Like, chill out. But it's Jim, like – Jimmy's going to Jimmy, yeah. Right. You're, you're exactly right. Like, right. They're not going to lose a game because of Christian McCaffrey is not productive enough. They're not going to lose a game because they got a DB out there getting burnt three, four times a game. Right. So they're a complete team, and he is the weakest link. But, you know, if they get in the playoffs, as long as they're putting up 20, 25 points, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah. And, you know, how, how fast do you think Debo Samuel is, man? Because he don't look like he all that fast. But in that one, in that one play last in the game before last, when he took off on that one joint, and that little end around. I'm like, he well, he almost like had four three speed. You know what I'm saying? It's like he it's ridiculous, like how fast he can just turn it on. And it's like, and then Kittle the same way. Like when Kittle get open field, you realize, oh yeah, he's, he's like one of those tight ends where he's just like, well, he can run. But when he gets open field, he takes off. You're just like, damn. And then you got Christian McCaffrey. It's just they have just fast football players. It's scary, man. It's well, scary. With Debo, it's, it's not only the the fast; it's it's the power. It's almost like that Black Panther suit when it's charged up purple. Like, yep. he gonna take some of them hits and keep going. Like Michael yep. Parsons is like that almost. Debo is like the wide receiver version of him. Like, he gonna run through some stuff. Yeah, he gonna run through a lot of things. And like, not only is he fast, but yeah, he's so powerful. So that's why it's hard to to match him. And you know, he can line up anywhere. He can line up inside, outside, backfield. They'll put him wherever. So, and Cal Shanahan's creative enough to to get him the ball in space, to get him the ball where he can do damage. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just he he is what his name says he is. He's Debo, man. He's gonna go out there and be powerful, be tough to stop, intimidating. Uh, and that's that's why, like I said, I, I feel like they're maybe the toughest out in the league right now. Could you imagine? Like, could you really imagine like the Miami Dolphins and the 49ers and Super Bowl? Like, that'd be crazy. I mean, hey, I know you don't want to this week. That. I mean, it could have. What did you say? They play this week, so we I know. Get a preview. I got to mark this. I got to mark this. My key matchup. That's what I'm saying. Like, could you imagine that if they were in the Super Bowl? Like, if they, it's like it could happen, and then now we get to see how it could roll out um, this week. And like, personal yeah. interest aside, I feel like that's a that's a dream Super Bowl matchup because right. both teams have stars. You know mm-hmm. you're going to see a game where points are given up. They're not going to be at a premium. Yeah. You're going to see scoring. You're going to see two head coaches. It, it would almost remind me of Baltimore and San Francisco playing with brothers as head coaches. You've got two coaches from the same tree. You've got players that have played for either team. Yeah, that would be a fantastic game to see in the Super Bowl. Like like I said, personal rooting aside, that would be a, a – is a, the fan in me would love to see that as a Super Bowl. Because I remember that one regular season game, 
was the Ravens and the Rams whenever Rams had Gurley and they was going wild with golf and Gurley and them. And then Lamar Jackson was getting rock and rolling, he won the MVP that season. And they had that big game. It was like 49 to 42 or something like that. It was like crazy. It was pandemonium. And it was like, that was like something of like, see, this could be something in the Super Bowl. It could be crazy. And then I remember when the Chiefs played against the Rams and then they went at it. And I was like, see, that's one of those games. This this is one of those games. These are this is one of those games that are coming up to where this this is why the NFL gets fresh faces of the league and and it's got one of these players is in there. But Tyreek Hill, I feel like, is definitely this year has definitely shoved himself into the number one spot in the wide receiver position. I think he is the number one wide receiver in the league, and I think for a reason of being able to put confidence in Waddle. I think put confidence in, in Tua. I think he is a person that when you look at as like a, a hidden captain uh, added to your team that there's something he can bring to something different because he's not your whole, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, buttoned up. He's like Dion, you know what I'm saying? Like, but he brings a certain swag to the team to where it brings a certain work hard. And I think that's something to shed a light to is him to where, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's different to where like kind of like somebody like AB who just put the production out there and didn't leave, you know what I'm saying, or didn't, you know what I'm saying, have that quality to where at least keep yourself buttoned up and keep yourself available. And like Tyreek has to where, like, I've seen him jump up and moss people. I've seen him run by you. I've seen him run clean routes. I've seen him be um, there on game-winning drives to where he can make plays to help out, get out of bounds and stuff like that. So, I mean, like, he has all those tools, the five, all that, what you need, running all the, the, the route tree and all that stuff like that. I think with this season right here, even though we can sit there and talk more about Patrick Mahomes, of course, I think he's winning MVP head and shoulders right now. We can talk about Tyreek Hill as well as being that of what the Miami Dolphins is this season being 8-3. Oh, absolutely. And and rarely do you see uh, the price that a team pays for a guy like that, and it, it pay off. Um, I would put Stephon Diggs right there with him. Because he's having yeah. a, a big year and he's productive, but yeah. we also know that Josh Allen is a complete NFL quarterback. Tua is making it there. I think before this year he was a question mark. Yep. So, yeah, I think Tyreek Hill is, and I'm I'm glad you said that. Like a lot of people think you have to be a certain thing. Like man, I see that so much where people want Dak Prescott so bad to be a Troy Aikman. Man, let him be who he is. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly right. Sometimes Dion is what your team needs. Sometimes Tyreek Hill. Sometimes being flashy. Like if Shaq had went to the Lakers and, and wore suits every game, kept his head down, and not made quotes and give himself twelve nicknames, like we wouldn't have appreciated him because that's not exactly. who he was. Exactly. I love it. So yeah, like and and that's that's the type of guys you want to see in these games, like. As a kid, I remember seeing Shannon Sharp do press conferences before the Super Bowl, and he was a class clown out there. Like, as a fan, that's what I want to see. Those are things that I find amusing. It's entertaining. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's absolutely a top-tier wide receiver. The thing that the production that him and, and Waddle were putting up across from each other is insane. And, uh, yeah, Miami's a team. that That's a game that uh, this weekend, yeah, you just want to be in front of the TV – crispy wings whatever you know whatever else you want in front of you and you just want to be in front of the tv locked in not miss a moment of it facts i mean that's gonna be i mean that's gonna be the game like i said we we talked about <clears throat> we talked about the moment you know saying the, the the big lights and you know like um 
the 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 crazy thing about <clears throat> these games where we get to say like you know uh the NBA you know what I'm saying the NFL really don't get that like the NBA gets that like oh wake me up when it's you know when it's March you know wake me up when it's April you know then when it gets to this time it's like man I can't wait the playoffs start you get more of that buzz you get I can't wait the playoffs get here but there's so many more great matchups because they've got playoff you know implications. Oh, implications and it's like everything is so much you know are you in the hunt you know what I'm saying are you out of the hunt are you are you there in the wild card or whatever like that? It is like it is down to the to the finer details of where maybe I think I might have lost you, bro. You lost me. Can you hear me oh, now? Yeah, yeah, I got you, you back. You um, with with the 49ers and, and Miami Dolphins matchup, we do have some other ones. Um, we got, I would say, we got a uh, um, when the look at the Jets and Vikings, the the Jets, like we talked about with Mike White, he's going to get his second start going up against Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, who's been tearing it up. Justin Jefferson has been making Randy Moss be like, damn, I need to come back out there and play? Like, what's going on? I mean, you're breaking all my records, son. Uh, but it's 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 making it to where, where we got to take the Minnesota Vikings serious. Now, the last two weeks, the last two weeks, let's be honest. Now, the Minnesota Vikings has not been what the record has been, you know, what has been the talk before, you know, saying the Cowboy game has been. And, and I will say that this game right here is a big game for them to check off that they're going to have to win for to get back in the good graces for me, especially for my power rankings. What is your take in this game right here with Minnesota? Um, I, I think you said it, and here's the thing about it. You can look at Justin Jefferson's performance, and it's just like the teams. You know, that Dallas game, Justin Jefferson had, I think, three catches for 39 yards. Mm-hmm. Then, then the Thanksgiving game, I think he's at nine catches for 139 or, or something. I, I don't know how close I am there. I know he he has high volume versus them. Yeah. So I would say this. I think if that Cowboys game hadn't happened and the Vikings beat the, the Patriots exactly the same way on Thanksgiving, I think we would still be talking about them as one of the best teams in the league. Okay. Anytime you get beat at home 40 to three, Ooh. you know, there's that margin of victory. Mm-hmm. It's gonna cast doubt on your season. I think the Vikings are exactly yeah, because they, yeah, they barely. I don't mean to cut y'all because they barely won the games that they won. You know, they, they won right. the games by six and by seven, by you know, what I'm saying like so many. Right. So, and after the Dallas game, I think for the season their point differential was in a negative because because of that game. So, I think there's still that team that's gonna beat average to to okay to dumpster fire teams. They're gonna beat those teams close and I, and I understand they beat the bills close and the bills are are a contender but i think that was josh allen like i said having those struggles with being injured i think if josh allen's healthy you probably see a game closer to what dallas did to him yeah so if i'm a minnesota fan um i'm just looking for that consistency i'm looking for another signature win because that bills game is a signature win but the way that they followed it up 
it was almost like I said with Dallas. Your boogeyman's wounded. You got to put him away. And that was the same thing with Kirk Cousins. You're in a primetime afternoon game. What do you have for us? You're not. You're eight and one. You're looking. People are calling you the best team in the league, and they laid just laid eggs. So, uh, if I'm Minnesota, you know you're going to win your division at this point. It's all about playoff preparation and winning multiple playoff games. So if I'm the Vikings, you got to go out there and establish yourself as a real contender. You have to start getting ready for the playoffs with wins like this. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. And I think Justin Jefferson, the team goes as he goes. They have to get production out of him. Obviously, if he's under 40 yards receiving, you're not going to be a good team. Um, if I'm them, I'm looking I'm, – I'm making a pitch to Odell Beckham because Adam Thielen's not 2018 Adam Thielen anymore. Nope. So I'm looking for that piece. I know they added Hawkinson. The production will come there. But, yeah, they just they need a shot in the arm, something that's going to puff them back up. Yeah, I, I mean, that oh, like I said, Odell there would be something. That could be something, him and Justin Jefferson, LSU, LSU right there. That'd be wild. Um, I, like I said, I think it's going to be Dallas with him. I honestly believe that um, with the visit to Buffalo, Going going to visit Buffalo first, getting them out the way. I think that's kind of telling to me that I don't think that he's going to go there, even though I do consider them close because they were the first to kind of, you know, with Von Miller trying to get them at the beginning of the, at the, at the season. But I think Cowboys grew to be more because of like how explosive the offense could be with adding him. It's like with adding him to Buffalo, I think it's like. Would it really add or would it just take away from Stephon Diggs? Because you got Kid Davis and you got McKenzie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you, you, you just want somebody better than McKenzie, but McKenzie can go out there and do what he can do. So, I mean, yeah, like, McKenzie is a, a good coverage away from taking the top off. And the same with Gabe Davis. Like, you're exactly right with them. Like, their offense doesn't need that shot in the arm, their offense doesn't need another mouth to feed. They've got right. plenty, plenty to go around. Whereas, right. I think. A team like Dallas, you have a C.D. Lamb, uh, you have Michael Gallup starting to restore himself from that injury. You've got the backs. Dallas actually does have a, a plethora of tight ends. I don't think any one of them has to get the ball. But I think if you look at that wide receiver core for Dallas, once you get past Lamb and, and Michael Gallup, you're talking about Noah Brown, who before this year had less than 50 career catches. You're talking about Jalen Tolbert, who's a third-round pick that just – he might be one of the worst receivers drafted you know, thus far because he hasn't been able to get on the field in a wide receiver room that's depleted. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I don't think we're playing any of our young guys. Uh, Houston might have got cut. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just really been a lot of tight end sets. They're using Hendershot, who who had a jet sweep touchdown, which that was weird to see a tight end run a jet yeah, I know, sweep. right? That was – oh, shit. Yeah, you saw Jake Ferguson, who was a fourth-rounder, out there hurdling people. He had a pretty good game overall, but the the tight ends for Dallas right now are a big piece of the offense because of that lack of depth at receiver. So I'm with you. I think Beckham ultimately will sign there, and I think it's going to be a few games before he gets out there. But, yeah, if you're Dallas, that's a that's a good thing to add to the playoff push. Uh, because when you play these teams like Philadelphia, when you play a Tampa Bay who we played earlier in the year, and, and that wasn't a fluke. Tampa Bay just ran the right game plan against Dallas to the point where Dak had nothing going and did get injured. So I think adding him for those teams that you're going to have to score uh, 
you're going to have to score over 25 to beat a lot of these teams. And that's what I told people last year. Dallas didn't – we didn't score enough against the Niners. And, you know, we also didn't keep them below 20, but mm-hmm. – you're going to have to score to beat these teams. You're going to have to keep their defense on the field, your defense off the field. So another weapon real, really will help that passing game. Yeah, it will. Yeah, you're right. And and um, that that is like I think I think like I said, man. If he's if he's if he's healthy, man. If he's you know game shape is you know one thing we know he's going to get into. But it's just like if he can just, you know, be where comfortable to where like going across the middle and stuff like that, like breaking out plays. Like when he came to the Rams, it was almost kind of like how T.O. went to the Eagles. It was like the production was just like a snap of a finger. It was like, yep, I'm ready. Here I am. It was like, don't worry about it. Like it was not saying that he had a T.O. year, but it was just the spark. It was like how Keenan McCarter went from the Jags to the Bucks. It was just like, yes. That's what we need, you know. Like, it, it it was like it worked. So I mean, if it can if it can happen forever where he goes, right? With I think it's the Cowboys. If he could just be that third guy, that could just be like, hey, if you catch me going on a drag route, I can get you that first down every possession. You know, what I'm saying like that's what yeah, that's all need. he has to be. I mean, right. If we're being honest, Pollard's still going to get 10 to 15 touches. Zeke's going to get, you know, 10 to 10 to 20 touches. CeeDee Lamb is going to get his targets. Gallup's going to get his targets. We just need Beckham to come in and give us three, three to eight targets a game and, and be productive with what we give him. If he doesn't be productive with it, it's not going to make or break the team. But you do have to account for him being out there, and I think that's all they're looking for. Right. Um. <clears throat> Do you think the Titans could beat the Eagles? Do you tell I me? Mean, do you think this is like going to be a game where like the Eagles should like go ahead and like showcase um, showcase the AFC that we got? Because you know now it's like okay, can the Titans force the Eagles to pass the ball to beat them? And I'm like, ah, I mean, like they got AJ I, Brown. I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know what people been watching. I mean, like they got other facets. They yes, they can run the ball. He had 120 some rushing yards in the freaking first half against uh, um, Green Bay. Me, Green Bay, and I'm like, yeah, please. But yeah, the, here's the thing with the Eagles: the Eagles play that ball control offense. Um, I've said this: if if you go back and watch some of these games where they've trailed uh, or they've been in danger, uh, so we played them, you know, back earlier in the year, they were up 20. 20 to nothing on us you know we brought it down to 20 to 17 the driver they respond to it being a one score game mal sanders pretty much just him and hurts ran the ball down the field uh same thing in the washington game they responded to that with rushing the football that's their identity and i think teams have such a trouble such trouble stopping them stopping the zone read stopping that ball control offense once they take a lead it was the same thing with the colts game you know they got a lead just couldn't stop the run, you know, once Philadelphia decided that that was how they wanted to, to come back in the game. So Tennessee has a solid run defense and uh, it'll be an interesting game. I hate the way it comes off. Being a, being a rival fan is going to come off. Anything I say is criticism of them is going to come off. As <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles <laughs> let these teams hang around, but they're ultimately winning games. Yeah, um, They don't feel like the giants. They feel like a more legit team. Uh, it just to me, it still doesn't feel like they're an odds-on favorite to run off three straight playoff wins. 
Yeah, yeah. They, I'm not saying they. I'm not saying they can't by saying that, but I'm just saying it doesn't feel like they're a, a grown-up team yet. Right. They are a really good football team. Um, I don't know what they need to show, but uh, yeah, they're just. I'll, I'll give them the credit where it's due in these clutch situations. They're running the football and keeping their lead or reestablishing their lead. Um, I don't think I don't think AJ Brown has a trouble pumping the ball. I think that might have been a one-off. I don't see. Uh, he's he's but, had a weird few weeks since he he came at the Titans, so I'm I'm interested to see how they cover him. Mm-hmm. He had that tweet where he said nobody could get open, or you know, kind of laughing at him, having his moment, kind of sipping tea that they traded him, mm-hmm. watching them in primetime struggle, and then since then he's he's put up some stinker of games, but. Um, they're winning. So for him, I wouldn't worry so much about that other than the Washington game. Obviously yeah. he didn't, he kind of got banged up in that game, but yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see that dynamic of how Tennessee chooses to cover him. Um, I'm interested to see how the Eagles respond to adversity, which it looks like they will run the football when they respond to adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, a, this is another chance for, for Philadelphia to prove, like I said, I don't feel like they're a team sitting at the kids table by any means. They're they're a team that it just feels like they need to go from sitting on the sides of the table to sitting at the head of the table. Their record says they're at the head of the table, but no one's respecting them. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we all just sat down for Thanksgiving. There's a couple households where if you sit at the head of the table, and you, you know, your parents aren't. You know what I mean? Like, it, just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it feels it feels like if they did that, someone would tell them it's not their place to sit at the head of the table. Right? Like, no, like, yeah, you got the you got the move, bro. Like, you, you got to bump over. Yeah, Grandma's yeah, still yeah, here. She's yeah, still yeah. with us. So. Right, right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, go and slide on over. And yeah, go put some more on your plate too, man. You know, you don't got you don't got enough on your plate. You sitting there trying to sit, you trying to sit at the grandma's table. You ain't got enough. For, you don't out here. Yeah, yeah you, you I know. Gotta, I've been there. Don't have that prestige. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. And that's the thing where. The, like the Eagles is definitely going to get that because of like like you said the Super Bowl is still recent, but the collapse is more recent, and yeah. like they have so much to prove since that they have an unproven quarterback still, and now he's starting to prove himself, and people are like, damn, okay, but can they do this? Can they do that? And we're just gonna have to see as the season go on. Same thing. With the Bengals, which I felt like they had that little hangover of being good, they went to the Super Bowl. People felt like they were one play away. I'm one of those people. They're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC Championship rematch. Joe Burrow threw interceptions in that game. The game looked over. Next thing you know, they won the game. Joe Burrow against the Tennessee Titans. Do interceptions in that game. Somehow they won the game. So we've noticed things to where like adversity is kind of cool with Joe. It's kind of like Joe Montana, but he's Joe Cool 2.0. Joe Burrow has brought something to this team to where even with Jamar Chase, I think, even where they change the uniforms to all white, how they make it look cool, that's nice. But it's a certain swagger with even the fan base to where the who that is kind of like is is not poking fun at this team. It's like the thing is around. It's it's a bigger thing to where like Andy Dalton or whenever they had uh, uh, Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and and Hoos and the defense Cedric Benson rest in peace. 
this team has a swagger that we can we can score some points on y'all. So you better be ready. And now the defense get more healthy. You know, uh, Jesse Bates and those guys are, are starting to come together. They're starting to be more of a problem. Where if they can shut down Travis Kelsey, do a good job with him. I think the run game is not so dominant on that side of Chiefs to where a couple games I think Pacheco has had like 100. He had 100 yards the last game. And Edward Hilaire had a good game, but it was kind of mixing with running and receiving the ball. But this game is so – this is an interesting game, so much like the 49ers and the Dolphins, but this is an AFC, AFC game. But this is a game right here. What is your thoughts on this game where I kind of think the Bengals may have the advantage and may win this game, but we have to see with the MVP and, and the future MVP, I think, and, and I think the number one team in the in the league, in the Chiefs, what do they have uh what do they have to do to win this game? Because where we've seen them lose games earlier in the season, the Bengals can do very well with both of using their running backs as receivers, as we've seen, and getting Jamar Chase back with Higgins making the plays he's making. This receiving core is top notch. What is the thing the Chiefs gonna have to look out for and what are they gonna have to do to win the game? I'll say this for Cincinnati first. Um, before that Super Bowl, um, they played last year. It was November, December. I think it was December. I tried to get my brother tickets. Uh, San Francisco was coming out here, and I think tickets were, man, they were probably under 50 bucks to to sit up high. And on a whim, you know, like, it's one thing. Like, we probably could have got better seats. We would have paid for better seats than that. I think he just didn't want to travel, but – you know, they're in December last year and there's tickets available for your team for under fifty dollars to a to a game. So I looked at him this year and I'm like, man, I gotta go to a Cincinnati game. Like I'm only seventy nine miles away from Cincinnati. So I'm like, boom, I'm gonna try to go to a game. Every single game I've looked at this year, even when they were losing games early in the year, we're talking two hundred dollars for those same seats. <laughs> so I will say this about the Cincinnati fan base. I don't think at any point this year that they have given up on this team because of Joe Burrow. I think he has really ignited the fan base. There's people I'm seeing. I saw a McPherson jersey in public this weekend. You know, people are wearing the kicker's jersey. So every wow. every step of the way this year, I've kind of followed him. I've kind of looked at going to a game, not not a Bengals game. I've, I've been to a Cowboys game and, and paid $200 for nosebleed seats because that's what you're going to pay at a Dallas Cowboys game. You're right. Uh, but a Bengals game is is a is a fan of whoever's playing. I'm not going to shell out that type of money, but I do think the culture is is there. The fans are there. Um, and like I said, they, they really haven't wavered this year, even through them losing a few games uh, earlier in the year. So if anybody's be- built to beat Kansas City, it is Cincinnati. Like, Kansas City's going to pass the ball. I don't care if you roll out with Dion, Ed Reed, Ronnie Lott, and, and Revis. The Chiefs are going to find ways. That Andy Reed will pass the ball to backs, tight ends. He'll find a tackle-eligible play and get yards out of it. That's who Andy Reed is. But if anybody can beat him, and, and the game is in Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, if, if anybody can go in there and win, I think it's, it's the Bengals. Like, they can run the ball on you. Like you said, Joe Burrow is you're not gonna get pressure and he's sacked eight, nine times in some of these games last year. So 
Yeah, I think right. I think if anybody he was flinching at he was flinching at the post game conferences that freaking people dropping staple, he flinched. I mean, like, I, can you blame him? You can say he was like Fifty Cent. He just stacked nine times and he's still breathing. Like, right. So I think if anybody can beat Kansas City, um, it, it it is them. And but I would also say this about Cincinnati: you might get them in the regular season, but I don't know if you're getting them in the playoffs two years in a row. Right. You know, same like with Buffalo playing them earlier in the year. Like you might get them now, but Kansas City's going to put it together. And Andy Reid is he he had some of those gaffes in Philadelphia where they just couldn't run the ball in playoff games and, and finish off games or get back in the games. But he is he he might be the best coach in the league right now with his team performing the way they are. Yeah. Uh I would take if I had to bet, I would take Kansas City, but man, Cincinnati is they're they're built to play a team like Kansas City. Yeah, that, that I, I agree with that. Like they, um, I think, but they're if they can't run the ball like they did a couple weeks ago, it's like they can still just find a way to where Mahomes can, you know, say they're just on a situational football, get loose, get a first down here and there, using his legs, and then getting you know Travis Kelsey and boom, he's hitting Sky Moore and boom, you know, hitting. You know, the guys is out there. I mean, now he's getting Cardavis, uh, Cardarius Tony involved. I mean, like, they just got it put together. And like you said, with Andy Reid, I think he's just learned from every mistake that he's made. And it, it is, it's not sitting there saying it's impossible he can make the same mistakes or make mistakes, period. But it's like they got it put together. But, I mean, this game right here, I just can't wait to see it because I want to see how mature – they have, you know, saying gotten, you know, saying to get out of this situation. But you want to see the maturity of Cincinnati to be in this game, to where it's like, are they saying, "Wait, y'all keep talking about Justin Herbert and the Chargers," but here we are. So watch us, because that's the kind of thing to where people want the Chargers to be what the Bengals are, and you know, you see flashes, but who's better? <laughs> who's got the better record? So I mean, we we see it all night and day. Who's better? You know, and and they're the, they're that they're that up and coming AFC team that can compete against that team like the Buffalo Bills and the uh, and the Kansas City Chiefs, which they've been to Super Bowl last year. They showed that we could be better, way better. So that's another game to be looked out for in this upcoming Week 13. It's not so many other good matchups. I mean, like there's games that you can sit there and say they are meaningful. The Commanders and Giants. I mean, that's something you can watch because in that with Commanders beating the Giants, the Giants can fall completely fall far, and that where they were up there, like you said, with um, uh, uh, um, um, Brian Dable being able to do what he can do with uh, with uh, Daniel Jones, that that's a game right there that, that people want to look at. There is the Commanders versus the Giants. Do you see Tyler Henneke knocking off Daniel Jones and the Giants? Uh, I'll I'll say this. First of all, yeah, I would probably pick Washington because I, I think New York's still pretty banged up, and and I would say this for Washington or for for New York, this is a win or go home game. Yeah, like if if we're talking about you 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 have the division record that you you might have a good record, but if you're starting to lose, you've lost both games to Dallas. Um, you still have Philly coming up. You lose this game to Washington. Yeah, like you're buried in your division. You're not going to be a playoff team at two and four in your own division. So. They've won some games around the NFL, but I think a lot of their wins, they've beaten some AFC teams. I know they beat the Ravens. Um, uh, they beat the Jags. Uh, I'm trying to think that who else they've played in the South. I think they beat the Texans as well. So, yeah, it, it, they beat Tennessee week one. 
all your wins are in the AFC and you're in a crowded playoff push. If you lose to Washington, you could probably pack it up mm-hmm. because when you're going to get down to those tiebreakers, Seattle's still there. San Francisco, I think, wins that division, but Seattle's still there. Seattle hasn't won all of their AFC games, so mm-hmm. they're they're probably got a better NFC record. If I if I'm haven't pulled them up, but yeah, if I'm New York, this is a winner go home type game because you're going to have to beat some NFC teams to get into the playoffs. And yeah. then if you're not beating those NFC teams anyways, you're going to get in a wild card and play a San Francisco, uh, <laughs> Philadelphia. You're going to play some of these teams, and their their best case scenario is playing Tom Brady. Yeah. And and we I feel like we've talked about that multiple times. I'm not betting on the Giants to beat Tom Brady whatsoever. Whatsoever. And, and, and you know, a uh, nice little segue to turn right there to be like, well, after a loss to the Cleveland Browns, which I just cannot believe. I mean, I, I mean, when you ask me and you say, man, do you think that the Cleveland Browns have have the takes to sit there and beat the Bucks? And I'm like, after winning two games in a row, we went out to Germany and won a good game against the Seattle Seahawks. We're coming to play the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. I feel like that we can do that. They didn't bring out Deshaun Watson. They they brought Jacoby Brissett. But we didn't account for um, a second half, you know, outburst of Nick Chubb. We didn't expect Miles Garrett to start getting to Tom Brady the way he did. And things started happening in the second half to where we can't allow it to happen if we're going to be trying to compete for a Super Bowl with Tom Brady maybe in his last year. So, I mean, let's take a look at some things that we can't, Take we can't control uh, Najoku's catch. We can't control that. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that. You good coverage. Devin White was there. He was there. He can't help that Najoku is just going to go up there and just grab it like that. And, and I was like, wow. Can't. I mean, but damn. You know that was a high throw that was for Najoku only. You put it where the defender can't get it, and he made the hell of a play and brought it down. And then they got the, um, you know, got the rolling on 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 offense on, on overtime, and you know that's and that's one of the things where the Buccaneers on offense are blamed. You can't blame the defense in this situation. You got to be able to get that twentieth or at least twenty-four point. You got to score the touchdown or get a field goal. Nothing was accomplished after ten to seventeen. You can't rest on that. And the offense just kept on, nope, we're just not, oh, we can't get this going up. We're just punting, playing this conservative style to where it's like, yeah, if you want to sit there and, and pile on the Byron Leftwich or pile on the, the coaching and all what's going on with the coaching and you can't blame this or Tom Brady's playing bad, something's got to be said with aggressiveness to where we can't just keep throwing deep ones to Mike Evans. You know what I'm saying? we got to find something else across the middle or something that's going to work. And it seemed like all we was trying to do was, to try to move the ball was go deep to Mike Evans on, on some of those plays where nothing else was there. And we got some other things. And, I mean, Julio somewhat came back to life. We couldn't get him going. Godwin, you know, we, Cameron Braid had a good game the, uh, the week before. So, I mean, like, do we need to go back to Germany to play? So, I mean, it made me start to ask myself that. But, you know, we got Monday Night Football against the Saints. You know, after they got shut out, we should be able to beat this team. We should not be in no no dramatic game against the New Orleans Saints against the way they're looking right now. So it has to happen now before it doesn't happen at all. And then it would be just a stupid year. Tom Brady came back and messed his legacy up and lost his wife. And there the Buccaneers going back to the shit. We don't want that. So, I mean, some shit got to happen. It's got to happen now. 
I'll I'll say this, like just looking at Tom Brady's career and, and looking at what y'all currently are, when's the last time you remember a Tom Brady led team that didn't have that little quick slot receiver? You know, the Super Bowl yeah. year it was A B. He had Wes Welker all those years. You had Scotty Miller also the Super Bowl year. Uh, he's just always had that quick slot guy. And then not only that, he's had Gronk a, a good chunk of his late career. He had he had James White, so he had that out-of-the-backfield quick-release guy. And that, that's exactly what you're saying. Y'all are building those offense around these deep throws or these big-body receivers on the outside, and that's not who he's been right. through, through the back half of, the, of his career. It's really not who he's been through any point of his career. So it's almost like you, you got this Lamborghini out there wanting to climb hills, and you want it to go up and down mountains all day. You want it to right. go through a bunch of curves. You're and not you know, using it in a straight it's, stretch. And there's no disrespect to Mike Evans because I think he's one of the top three wide he, He's a future Hall of Famer. Right. He's yeah, one there's of, no question. Right. But yeah, it seems like for a guy who's made a career off of timing-based, short, quick throws, quick timing-based passing game, there's none of those pieces. Like, I felt like Cole Beasley was going to come in. I was like, man, he's a great fit. Like, that's the little guy that Brady's had his whole career. Cole Beasley took a look around and was like, I'm out of here. So yeah. I still think there's there's just dysfunction in what they're doing. Because if I'm Cole Beasley, I'm licking my chops coming in, playing for Tom Brady in a role that he's turned people into super – like, I didn't even mention Julian Edelman. Like, he was that guy for a long time. Short, quick, he'll come in, catch 14 passes for a buck 12 and, and have two touchdowns out of it. Might even throw a pass. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like the Bucks don't have that. They don't have that James White role. They don't have that Gronk at the tight end type position. They don't have any of those things that have been Brady helpers. Yeah, that, and it's like I think Scotty Miller had some opportunities this season. He dropped the ball, you know what I'm saying, going across the middle. You know, we can't just go Godwin because they're going to go for his legs. We got to be careful with him. So, I mean, like, it, it's, it's, yeah, like, he's, a little yeah. Built, he's built a little bit different too. He's right. a little lankier. Right. So, that's, right. that's not, right. Yeah, you got to understand that, like, you're going to have the shine, but CTE is coming. Like, we seen Wes right. Walker was gone off to Molly because yeah. he, he had to medicate because he took all them hits. Like, exactly. So, you know, I, I think, I think if anything, you know, Saints just knows this because there's some players on that defense that knows, you know, that, we lost Christian work, Tristan worse, you know, saying we're gonna be you know for for the amount of standing out amount of time. We don't got Jensen, you know, saying we don't got Marpet retired, you know, Donovan Smith. All been, those hurt, you know, playing, you know, huh? Yeah. All, yeah, all of those hurt. I mean, and they take yeah. away as well. But I, I'll say this for the Saints. You might you you might have went to a new school or a new playground and gave everybody out there work, you know, on a basketball court or whatever the game may be, and then you might go home and play your sibling, and your sibling knows all your moves. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a hard fought game against your sibling, or in your neighborhood, it's gonna be a hard fought game because those kids know you. So that's what the Saints and, and Bucks have always felt like recently, because you know the the first year Breeze got Brady twice in a regular season. You know, there's there's been close games throughout that series with Brady being a Buccaneer, so I expect a close one-score game. You know, the Saints are – they're looking bad right now, but it's like I said, it's like matching up against that sibling or playing your neighborhood for the umpteenth yep. time. They know yep. all your moves. They know all your yep. tricks. And it's like, damn, man, that's going to be the one that's going to sit there and end up beating us. 
freaking messing around with the Saints, and that's really going to mess us up. And the Falcons going to be in position to take over the division. It's like, or it could be and, the Saints, or it could be the Panthers. You know what I'm saying? And, we, and that's why I think those teams won't give up. Like, I think that's why we haven't seen a Desmond Ritter. I think that's right. why we haven't seen the Saints go another direction. Now, the Panthers are the Panthers, but I think I do still... think the Saints need to put James back in. I mean, goddamn, they, 100% like, agree. I mean, come on, man. I mean, he just got shut out. Um, James, you know, got hurt. He didn't play bad. He didn't get a real full, fair shake of it all. I mean, I, I don't know what they're not seeing, what they're looking at in practice, but it's just like, man, I think James and his attitude, you know what I'm saying, may hurt him, but I just think he's more hurt. But they're looking at it like you ain't supposed to be hurt about it. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you was hurt. I don't I, – I, I'm not sitting there saying that James is all 100% right, but I do think that for his – for his attitude, he was looking at it like, you know, I'm supporting. You know, I'm not. I'm still here, but it's just like, damn, I thought I'd be right back in it once I got back healthy, and here we are. It looks like y'all need me. <laughs> we might see Jameis in a, a Geno role three years from now playing for the Texans and balling out of his mind. Yeah. It's so I, I, I hope I hope he gets those opportunities going forward. But, yeah, I don't understand why the Saints aren't, aren't giving him a chance because I feel like his ceiling is – we know what Andy Dalton is. He, he's exactly what he's shown the last few weeks. Like, he's exactly what he was in that Thursday night game against the Cardinals where he throws four picks and or three picks, for, two of them for touchdown and four touchdowns. Like, he's not going to win or lose you games, but he's, he's just who he is. Yeah. Right, that's true. I mean, it's like – I, I'm like, you know, last year, you know, I think I just think it seems like when, when they was like Drew Brees, like, okay, it's your, it's your turn now. And it seems like with the whole build up and everything like that, yeah, you think they would, they would ride or die for him, you know, kind of like some other teams are for their quarterbacks and just to give him that go, you know, even, you know, coming back healthy, just give him the go and see what go and see what happens. And Andy Dalton coming in. And I just think like, it, it's just like, oh, we're going to go with him because he's just a safe, you know, like we, we – and it's like, the hell with that, man. Like, that was James's team. Let him rock with it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm here just, for it. I, I think he needs to, and so – Because uh, it seems like, like somebody like Russell Wilson who's lost his team getting yelled at on the sideline, you know – yeah. I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but I, I know I, tried, I, I was like, oh, they're, they're, stuck, they're stuck in that contract too. So that's the bizarre thing to me. Like you got to figure that out. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're Denver, you gave up the picks, you invested the money. Like he's going to be there for three, the next three years, like yeah. figure it out. So yeah, yeah like I, I'm, and I'm, I'm not putting all the rest too, man. Like his play might not have been all that great. They got to put him in a better system. Right. I, I mean, like, this, 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 this hack it. He can't hack it. Yeah, that, that I feel like is nepotism. Like he's a coach that if he would have been not related to to an NFL former head coach, former coordinator, like we wouldn't see him have this opportunity. Um, yeah, like to start the year, there were people talking about Javante Williams was going to be the breakout star running back. He got hurt even before he got hurt. They weren't using him well. They end up cutting Melvin Gordon. Uh, you know, they've traded for a running back. Like, they're just so messy with how they've handled that entire offense. It's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, man. I mean, it's like, I, I think that with what they got with Sutton and all, like, they got weapons. And they got, yeah, things. all the pieces are there. They're just, yeah, they're just like, like they're, 
poorly You're ran. Trying to put the wrong stuff in the wrong places. And all the blame is going on Russ because of then the media plays it and the social media plays on it. The players read and watch that shit, and I think some they, of that's they, they some of that's on him. I, I will oh, say yeah, some. I was getting to that. I was getting to that because here's what I'm getting to. I'm not sitting there saying that it's not on Russ at all. I'm saying that his act that he does is it's like it's like you you want to tell him to knock it off. What I'm trying to say is that it's not bad, Russ, to change your act because it's not to sit there and say that you're a bad person, but it's just like it's not a wrong thing to sit there and say, man, to be like, oh, I'm gonna be who I am. That's not wrong. That's not that's that's right. You be who you are, but you have to kind of think to change some of your ways because it can be boring or corny or just not gonna get a guy it's not gonna get a locker room motivated for you. Because what little of it worked in Seattle was over talked by the twelfth man. About the boom, Legion of Boom. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think Seattle did well despite him. Whereas Denver, That's like what I'm you, saying. right, you can't like, turn up on a plane on a on a long trip like that. Like, and yeah. I feel like that was really one of the straws that broke the camel's back. Like, you're turned up doing high knees, watching film loudly on the plane. Like, you got to ingratiate yourself with your teammates, and it it feels like he never did that in Seattle. Uh, he's he's not done that in Denver. Yeah, because they, they, they said in Seattle that if you wanted to get a hold of Russ, that you had to get a hold of his people. Like like a player, a player, a teammate, a teammate on his on his team. If you wanted to get a hold of Russ, you had to talk to his people. I see. I, there, there's two sides of that. One, he's protecting his peace, and I respect that. But two, yeah, give your teammate your phone number and let him reach yeah. out to you. You can respond when you're ready to. Uh, or you can put your phone on do not disturb sometimes. I feel like, you know, th- those are things you do to if you need to really protect your peace. Right. Yeah, like, here's my thing. A lot of people want Sean Payton in Dallas, and I feel like that's the general consensus. That would be a great landing spot for Sean Payton. Denver would be a great place for him to go. That is the type of quarterback that can fix rust, fix some of these character flaws, fix some of these things that are an issue with the team. So, a veteran head coach is what Russ needs. And he had that in Pete Carroll, and I don't know how he was still the guy he was, but, yeah, veteran head coaches is, is what they need to steer the, the direction of the team, the offense, get Russ away from some of these goofy-ass things that he's doing. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, too. That's what the Cardinals need. Because yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is not a veteran. Like, he, he wasn't a winning college coach. And I think he came into the NFL. Uh, he should have been a coordinator first in the NFL. Yeah. Because he can draw up all the plays in the world. But their issues right now is Kyler Murray having some of those same maturity issues. Their team is just not whole. And it's the same thing with them. Mm-hmm. That is true. Because it's like, it's, it's like, damn, man, y'all, I know y'all want to be great. And it's like, y'all, y'all got, you know, smart minds that in the, in the, in the classroom. And y'all got, you know, saying these good players, you got these good players, you know, saying like you have um, D-Hop coming back and you got A.J. Green, you got veterans, but you got the young players coming up that are good. You got fast players with Rondell Moore and all these guys with uh, Hollywood Brown. And it's like what is missing is that it's accountability 
and you got guys yeah. on the side. I mean, like D-Hawk on the sideline, you know what I'm saying? Like, he went wrong in that. And But Kyler Murray, his, his attitude, the way he shook off DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins was like, it made it look like D-Hop was in the wrong and D-Hop went in the wrong. He was like, what did you see, bro? You know what I'm saying? And he's sitting there like, I, I don't know. You know, it's just like, you you look lame. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, Kyler Murray's got to get, he's got to get better at that. I mean, period. Uh, well, here's the thing that I think players don't realize sometimes, especially young players or, or young men in general. It don't always have to be your team. You know, Steve Steve Young told the story of Mike Holmgren pestering him in practice about Jerry Rice is open. You have to see him. Sometimes you have to throw the ball knowing he's going to be where he's supposed to be. Expand your vision. You yeah. know, and this this is around 91, 92, and Steve Young is out there telling them, like, no, I'm I'm league MVP, like I'm passer rating leader, I'm all these things. I don't need to expand. And so finally, like, he got the memo, he did the things Homegrown was telling him. If you look back, that was probably never Steve Young's team. Right. Like it was it was always Jerry Rice's team once once Montana left. Right. So if you're a Kyler Murray, understand you might have got the big contract, but it might not be your team yet. So same thing with a lot of these guys. We talked about it with Zach Wilson. We talked about it. If I'm Russell Wilson coming in, it it might not be your team. You know, you have to build the identity of it to be your – just because they give you the money don't make it your team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of these quarterbacks struggle with that. And, you know, I'll even throw my guy out there. I will say this for Dak. When Dak was injured, it was never a question within the team that he was going to come back and be the starter. He was – always there he went to the away games he was there on the sideline being injured he's still present giving having a headset on and giving cooper rush plays so everybody's different you know it's different for everyone but yeah sometimes understand it's not your team don't look at it that way look at okay we are a team what can i do d hop you right well what did you see because maybe you saw something i didn't yeah like i'm just like damn i thought you know he, he he didn't sit there and cuss him out. He didn't, you know, he like, you know, he came at him in his, you know, being himself. And I just like looked at his attitude and his responses, the body language. It was just like, yeah, you can't, you can't win with a guy like that, man. You really can't. You just can't, just can't. Cause Tom Brady, you know, you know, I hate to use him as an example, but would have sit there and been like, would have talked to him. If it had been yelling or not, he would have talked to him. Brady would have made the adjustment; they would have won the game. Right, bingo. Honestly, God. So I mean, like, that's a good that's a good conclusion point to sit there and say, man. Like, for these for these teams, when it's reaching this this time of the of the season, when you have to win these games, like you said, you if you're NFC teams, you got these AFC teams that are stomping you, and then you got these NFC team NFC games that you got to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at you. And and um, there's teams out here that is not all the way out mathematically, but you know what I'm saying you're getting closer and closer. You know, Packers, Cardinals, you know these these teams that can you know Buccaneers and and you know the, the, they got these chances and these Chargers or you know uh, you know you got the freaking you know Steelers can somehow you know I don't know if the Steelers can creep back in it or not, but you got these teams that can get this momentum either for this season or for next season. Yeah, don't let Mike Tomlin get get momentum. I'll tell you this right now. The Steelers got the pieces. Right. Yeah, I don't know if Mitch is the guy or I don't know if Pickett's the guy, but they got pieces on that offense. 
You're right. You let them get momentum and a top ten pick. Yeah, the Steelers yeah. might be back next year. Exactly, and and it's like okay now, and here we go, and it's like it's, when T.J. Watt came back, production on that defense shot up off the roof, and mm-hmm. you know you're starting to get some good games from Najee Harris, and they got a backup running back that was looking pretty good last night. So, like it, it's 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 looking good. It's looking good for him, but it's it's what like you said, it's like you have to be Kenny Pickett. You have to sit there and, and win. The locker room, you got to sit there and get the trust up under under you, the other team, to whenever they're going to look at you and it's, it's nitty gritty time, and they're like looking at you in the in the huddle, and you got a uh, either that I'm ready face or holy shit face, and they and those football players know the difference, and for these college football players, I hear we talked about getting to this time where we get into conference championship time. And going into the playoffs, um, the same thing applies. Like, what your attitude reflects, it shows on that football field, you know, saying with your with your teammates and if everybody's in tune, um, it, you can be you can be a defensive end and and a and a, and a teammate can see that and, and can throw things off. Morale is everything. That's why you look at that's why when you look at a part when me and you were talking about the Bengals and Joe Burrow, when I brought up saying Joe Burrow being cool in these situations, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, Dak Prescott, guys like Lamar Jackson, guys like that, when you look at it, are not panicking in the situations where anything can can go wrong. They can they can lose games up twenty, they can win games from behind. And, you know, they can lose games from with a mistake down at the end of the stretch. But when you look at these guys, you know you're going to have trust in these guys that they're going to sit there and be held. They're going to hold yourself accountable. They're going to make sure the team's held accountable. But they're going to go out and do big plays because they're going to be willing to do shit that they are expecting the guy beside them to do. And, and, and it's like that that's the leadership in them because that's why I say down to a defense end because you think of somebody like Aaron Donald but you look at somebody like a Chris Jones who does not have the best defense, but knowing that I got Patrick Mahomes and I got all these offensive weapons, but I got to go out here and I got to set the tone to make sure these other guys step up to make sure our defense is presentable. And that's that. Yeah. I think every good team has that. And, and you're exactly right. Like it, I feel like that was, that's been the whole conversation. Like when we're talking about these, the Jared golf, like we knew Detroit won going win that game on Thanksgiving. Right. Everybody, you was in front of your TV trying to sneak deviled eggs. You knew Detroit wasn't winning that game. Right. Like, every every team, you could tell the, these teams like this. You could see it. And like you said, some of these teams, like Philadelphia, I knew they weren't going to lose to Indianapolis once they got – once that pass interference happened, I said they about to run the ball right down their throat. Mm-hmm. So these teams and, and these charismatic quarterbacks, absolutely. Like that, that makes a, a major difference. Now, once they start matching up against each other – it becomes a little tighter. You know, you're not going to – if you're getting in some of these playoff matches, you're not going to just will your way just because you're your you're quarterback. But, yeah, like, you'll have that with the team. And like I said earlier, in the NFL, it doesn't matter who scores first. It matters who scores last. And so that's where you see the confidence in, in these quarterbacks and these big-time players like that. Yeah, if, if, I'm, if I'm a team and I'm going – yeah, man, we got Waddle and Hill. We'll come down and score a touchdown before you can blink an eye. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so good. All good teams have that, and yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good place to go, and that's why I keep bringing up your Bucks. They are not dead yet. No, nope. I'll throw the dirt on them. Green Bay is dead. Uh, Arizona's dead. You can <laughs> bury the you can bury Rams. the L.A. Rams. Yeah, you can bury some of these four win teams. Yeah. The Buccaneers. I refuse to dirt on Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I, you can't throw dirt on Tom yet. Um, it just, it sucks to be under five hundred again. But we got our bye, we got the way. We just got to put our head down and, and start winning some games, man. Yeah, and and there's division games coming up, so y'all be fine. But that's that's the thing to me. Yeah, like they will be there. We'll see what version, you know, like we we talked about progressions. We'll see what they, what type of role they get on to going into the playoffs. And uh, I'm excited. I think it's a, it's a good playoff picture. And we touched on the the games that are going to be majorly deciding this week. So I don't think win or lose Tennessee, Philadelphia, San Francisco, or Miami is out of it. Um, but I think we're going to see close games in those two those two that you pointed out for sure. And I think that those battle tested uh, those games that battle test you this part of the year they only push you forward in the playoffs because all yeah. four of those teams should be playoff teams. Facts. And then I think I think with those with those teams, you know, getting these getting these matchups out of the way. I mean, with I think with the 49ers playing the Dolphins, I think Buffalo playing the Bengals, Chiefs playing the Bengals, um, Eagles playing the Titans, and then playing the Cowboys Christmas Eve. These these games, man, it's so much. It's going to make the playoffs so much better. And I think where um, it just so happens that these teams. You know, had good off seasons, man, and, and had a good training camp. And was able to sit there, and some, some teams surprised us. Some teams we kind of figured it was going to be good, but I did not see the Eagles and Cowboys leading the pack like this. I didn't see um, Detroit, um, you know, saying looking how they've been looking, but you know, saying there's other teams on the lower side, but on the upward side, I did not see Cincinnati struggling like this and coming back the way they have because I figured if they was going to struggle like that, they was going to stay down. But they've came back strong. Uh, you're seeing some good things from Tennessee and Baltimore. But, you know, I see the slippage in them. But Minnesota has been that shocking team that I want to see show up and show out this week just the same as uh, as Buffalo as when they play against the Patriots because that's a big game. Because that's a big game that I didn't even talk about. But it's just a game for them. They, get, they, they can't mess around and lose that one. But it's, it's like I said, the Patriots hasn't beat anybody um, but the Jets. So, I mean, <laughs> and, and that seemed like that's something that they have in their back pocket. But, um, like you said, the Packers are out of it. Um, we, we may see Jordan Love for the rest of the season. I, I know the, the Bears are going to be um, playing their backup quarterback, I think, for the rest of the season. So, it's, it's the NFC North is all up to Minnesota. And uh in, in, in Detroit can sit there and, and make their rah-rah noise as they as they may. But this is gonna be a closing point of this episode. I just wanna thank John for coming on and having a uh, having that nice NFL insight that he always has and you know, football in general as we covered all the way down to high school. So John, thank you for joining me. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it was uh, like I said, I was excited to talk a little bit of football. Well, it turned out to a lot of football, but yeah, I mean, that, and that's that's what people are passionate about. So I was definitely uh, glad to get it in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. So everybody, man, you know, be looking at the be looking at the bets, man. Be looking at the the uh, uh, the over and unders. 
going to be looking at the spreads. We're going to be taking the money lines because I might be coming back Wednesday, Thursday to be talking about some bets. I know I may not be making none after I feel depressed from last week, but, you know, it's going to be some – it's definitely some games uh, with the 49ers and, and the, the Dolphins. It's definitely going to be some interesting same-game parlays in that with Debo, Samuel, and, and Tyree Kill and all those boys. So this is going to be a close. Soft Talk is going to be out. John, you have a good one. Hope you get to come back, as always. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. Soft Talk is out. Out.